Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Tarek. Welcome, babe. Welcome to the Gun Show. <laughs> That's as much Afrikaans as he can speak. I so. ran out of Afrikaans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of admin things we're going to talk through in a moment. Um, we have some very special guests on this evening who... T, do you want to introduce them and then get into the admin stuff? Or do you want to get the admin stuff out of the way? No, uh, we're, we're very, very glad to be joined by Connors and Callum from the UK. Um, they are the brains, brawn, and everything else behind Magload. Um, the finest shotgun equipment and other stuff, but I've just... Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. I'm contractually obliged to say Nexus Pro, <laughs> Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. Uh, it's all right, um, buddy. It's only 97 more times than you've filled up the game. So uh, we're really, really glad to have them join us. Um, and uh, so welcome, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming, guys. And they're going to be chatting to us about Magload and shooting in the UK because, yes, that really is a thing. Should we should we mention Dumb and Dumber while uh... we also we are also gladly joined by Mr. and Mrs. McWilliams, uh, <laughs> Lance and Daniel, uh, who are Rocksteady Gear, um, the South African agents for Magload, are also going to join us um, and may even talk if they're allowed. Uh, we may just mute it. So thanks, guys. We appreciate you, you. We appreciate you two less, but we do appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be here. You can talk now. <laughs> cool stuff. Couple of minor uh, admin things before we proceed with the actual show. Um, first thing is you guys are aware of the Firearms Control Act changes that have been proposed. These are a major concern. We released an episode on Sunday that will be linked in the show notes for this that uh, explains what's happening there and what you can do to hopefully stop it. Um, the changes are sweeping and uh, will devastate uh, pretty much every sector of firearm ownership within South Africa. Um, Sorry. Great. Just on that, uh, remember public comments are only open for 45 days and not working days. That They don't give us the same courtesy they give themselves. Um, public comments are open for 45 days from... Uh, was it Friday the 21st? Um, Closes on the 5th of July. It has to be in before the 5th of July. So I know we've given them good numbers. We also know that they've already said that they only really want to take pay pay attention to ones that support them. Uh, So please send those submissions in. Also make sure you CC someone in. It's really important that we have proof that you send it to their email address. Um, in case they don't see the light and and, and sort of can this. Uh, and make sure that it, you don't just pick the one thing you care about because every time you read through this thing, you're going to find more stuff that's a problem. So the entire bill needs to be stopped. Don't just hop on one thing that, that you care about. Uh, we need to jump on the entire thing and, and get the whole thing stopped. Signing a change.org petition is worth precisely fuck all. Uh, there's the My South Africa one that apparently does something. Write a letter to the email address, BCC someone. This The someone who needs to do something is you. So please, guys, this is really important. Yep. Um, we'd like to thank Zero Mike Bullets, uh, proud show sponsor. You guys know the drill. Websites up, bullets are available. Multiple different weights and profiles in 9mm, 
two weights in 40, the proper weight for 45. And there are some- No, it's 230, sorry, come on. 230. (laughs) (laughs) And there are now some options for the guys shooting 38 special. And 357. And 357. Um, So thanks again, Zero Mike. We appreciate all the uh, support we get from you guys. Uh, Moving on to Drill of the Month, proudly sponsored by, again, Zero Mike Bullets, Flatpak Alpha and Shooting Stuff has a special promotion where you can visit their range for 15 minutes to shoot the Drill of the Month Target included, and they have the option of of lending you a timer should you not have one. Please make use of that. We have, um, we, we're getting a new sponsor on board with Drill of the Month as well, I was told last night. Um, so that'll hopefully be announced in the next week. Okay, cool. I don't know about that. So, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Let's, that's admin out the way. Let's get into the... Uh, into oh, and, the ad- and Rocksteady gear. Oh, have we just announced it? Technology. No, no, I'm saying we need to say thank you to Rocksteady Gear and DVC Technology. Why do we need to say thanks to Rocksteady Gear? Because they fucking sponsored <laughs> me, bitch. So I have to say you. thank you. Yeah. Where, where's, where's my Nexus? I, I need a Nexus Pro 14 round to no. go on the other side of my belt to load my gun and up. For a small fee, we'll just send you a price list. <laughs> okay, Daniel's getting sent home. <laughs> so cool, no, to be serious, I think you were probably the first, probably the first magload uh, owner in the country, right? I was definitely the first Nexus owner in the country. Um, yeah. Now, what you need is so a Nexus Pro. Yeah, upgrade, upgrade there. I mean, you need to make a new hotness. You've got, you've you've got the old Poor's model. Now you need the new hotness. <laughs> I agree. Just buy the new one from scratch. It's better. Uh, everyone's shaking their head yes on the show, except for the dude who has to buy all the stuff again. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, we, we do sell upgrade kits. You know, you can just upgrade it piecemeal if you want. No, shh, shh. All, all that I need to upgrade it is, is a backplate, right? Backplate and bars uh, and tops and bases and middles. Just buy a new loader of these. <laughs> we sell an upgrade kit. It looks exactly like a complete loader. What you do is you buy an entire Nexus Pro and then it's upgraded. Perfect. Nexus Pro. Yeah. Yeah, Get to reuse my belt. <laughs> no, no. Your, your belt's old and got dust on it. Throw yeah. it away. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I was definitely the first uh, Nexus owner in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a match saver from you at the same time. I got an option three loader and I got whatever that thing is that goes in your wrist that I've never been able to make Prams. work because yeah. I'm a little bit no, spazzy, shall we say. <laughs> uh, no, ma- major fan of your gear. Um, it's worked fantastically well. Um, the new ones are more impressive. Not because they load differently, but they weigh absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Um, Terry Cada, you had a 12 plus 28, right? Yeah. 40 rounds. Yeah. Weighed the same as my 28 round rig, uh, or perhaps even less. Yeah, it weighs substantially less than my old rig. Yeah. Um, we're allowed to, yeah, we're allowed to mention what that is. Round rig. Yeah, we, we can't mention what that um, is because <coughs> it might be controversial. <laughs> I can confirm that it's heavy. Your old rig. Yes. <laughs> um, so you guys. Um, so now that we've spoken a lot of shit. 
Absolutely. Uh, weight was one of the biggest uh, factors. Um, I don't know if it's it's publicly known, but there's a uh, a website called practicalshotgun.com, um, and there's a guy uh, you know we know quite well, Clive Gamblin, who has done all the reviews of all the different loaders. And there's this table, um, and it was Connor's goal to um, when he started out with the pro to be ahead on every single um, every metric. Variable. Yeah, yeah. Be be every metric on the table. Outstanding. And I assume that you guys like exceeded that on every single. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah on on the weight especially. Well, like everyone else has come out with like two or three more generations of loaders and still can't come close. So <laughs> that is epic. Humble. Uh, <laughs> you told me not to be humble. Don't be humble. You took me no, gone too far. He told me. He told me to get my dick out and wave it. There will be there will be no video, so go ahead. <laughs> Wave away. Uh, no, considering you guys you guys aren't actually here, I'll just slap him in the face with him, be done. I didn't if you I slap him in the face with it, we have a rule. Yeah. Oh, if someone for it. If someone uh, has a negligent discharge, <laughs> negligent discharge on the show, the video will be released. So if you slap him in the face with your dick, I'm going to count that as an 80. <laughs> and release the video, because that'll be great. Uh, um, maybe let's start at the very beginning. What, where, what, where does Magload come from? Where, what, what's the, the sort of elevator background of, of Magload? Um, well, I like making shit, and I don't tend to like anything anyone else makes. So I started out a number of years ago making stuff for myself. Um, club members got interested in what I was using, and they wanted some, which point I had to charge them some money for it, because it cost me money. Um, then they went out and did competitions. People saw them using it, and then I got the first dealer on board, and it all spiraled way out of control from there. Outstanding. And, and when about was that? About 2015-2016. I said so. Pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. Well, Magload is pretty recent. I've been mm. doing tinkering and that sort of thing mm. for a long, long time. And you, you, uh, you guys make obviously there's there's shotgun parts, there's the shotgun mm. loaders, there's stuff for mini rifles, mm-hmm. um, there's rifle parts. Yep. Uh, what other? That's everything I can think. I, I mean, long barrel pistol stuff, unfortunately, <laughs> is a yep. very specifically. <laughs> You guys think? Yeah, well, fortunately, a lot of the things for long barrel pistol are compatible with their two two counterparts abroad. So we we do export some of that stuff, but not a lot of it. We're funding like the muzzle brakes. We make a, yeah. a muzzle brake for the Walker PPQ, which is one of the most popular uh, LBPs here. But it's based off of a, a two two Walker PPQ, so it's mm. the same thread. It's just further back on the gun. Uh, so oh, we found we found people were buying those brakes for the 2.2 versions out in the States and, and internationally as well. Ah, fantastic. Um, and then I suppose this might also help sort of colour it for, for the guys. Obviously, the big perception for, for everyone is that there's no guns in the UK. Uh, <laughs> as I understand it, there's a very, very strong sort of shooting fraternity there. Uh, yeah. So do you guys want to let us know a little bit about what you can shoot there, what, what I mean, yeah. what you can shoot so, I mean, generally speaking, um, most centerfire semi-auto is banned. So no two two three semi-auto rifles or anything like that. That's all bolt action mm. um, up to 50 BMG. 
even then you're hard pushed to get a license for that and you can't certainly can't get anything bigger than that um <clears throat> handguns right out unless they've got a long barrel and they're only in two two can't have any sort of handgun um what we can have is semi-auto two two rifles semi-auto two two long barrel pistols and um, we shoot those a lot over here and shotgun um we have no capacity restrictions on shotgun with the appropriate licenses um so ipsc shotgun is alive and kicking over here and it's actually probably the biggest ipsc discipline in the uk um probably followed by mini rifle which followed was, by mini rifle which was created in the uk yeah uh, as well to, to date in terms of statistics uh, i believe there's around 2.5 million legally owned firearms in the uk uh, and there's around 750,000 certificate holders so with our licensing, we have we have two different certifications. We have a shotgun certificate, which allows you to own um, over and under side by side single barrel, um, and any semi-auto uh, or, or pump action with a restricted tube, so two in the tube and one in the chamber. So we have the the two plus one, as we call it. Um, shotgun is by far the most popular sort of firearm owned here. Uh, as it should about, be. Yeah, there's there's about I think five hundred, six hundred thousand shotgun certificates versus the 150, 250,000 uh, uh, firearm certificate. And then if you if we talk about shotguns, shotguns gets really, really messy because you have some shotguns that are on a firearm certificate and some shotguns that go on a shotgun certificate. So it's not really logical, uh, but a lot, of, uh, a lot of firearms laws usually go that way anyway. Yeah. And, there's, and how hard is it oh. to get those different licenses? We, 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 we've also got BB oh, sorry, guns. Yes. We're allowed BB guns. <laughs> Yeah, so they have to have. Yeah, you do actually have a license do, do they have to go to... and buy a BB gun. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, do they have to have like the orange circle around the barrel and the? No. Well, okay. Uh, if you want to buy it without a license, more than fifty percent of the gun has to be brightly coloured. I, I can feel Paul. Um, getting, so we, we have um, Paul Wyborn in the background. He's uh, the UK's top. Uh, action air shooter so action air big discipline in ipsc as well he's just sitting in the back listening um come there's, over a, there's this oh. thing called uh yukara for um for bb guns so it's paul hi paul uh, hey paul and, uh yukara it's referred to it's mistakenly referred to as a license it is the easiest mm. way to describe it but it's actually a database yeah it's the so there's yukara which is the database um which is basically there for retailers to be able to prove that the person trying to buy a bb gun is allowed to um but basically all you need is just a good reason to stand up in court and say this is why i have one that's a realistic imitation firearm but there is a high likelihood of having to stand up in court if you go and buy a bb gun yeah so if if you don't have the car <laughs> if you're not on that database you can have a two-tone so 50 percent of the gun needs to be painted a vibrant color um, so anyone over the age of 18 can go and buy one of those guns. But if you want it to be a realistic imitation firearm, as they're referred to, then you need to be on this Yukara database or you need a valid defence. But most shops will take Yukara as the only valid defence. Yeah, I had a hard time trying to get one uh, sold to me with another firearms dealer certificate. You go in there, I am a firearms dealer. Please may I buy a BB gun? No. <laughs> And, and firearm and shotgun certificate holders as well. You, yeah. you go in there and you go, I've, I've got a 308 rifle at home and you won't sell me a BB gun. No, I don't think you've got a valid defence. You're, you're like, well... Because BB guns are deadly, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We you need to control higher. access to those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> silly. 
it's public perception in the UK is very different um, towards guns than it is in many other places in the world. Like you go over to France and you start talking about handguns and someone will go, oh yeah, no, my uncle shoots or something like that. Over here, you even mentioned the word gun and you're instantly demonised. And There's a lot of people within their professional career, like obviously we're quite lucky that we've, we've made our profession our, our hobby or our hobby our profession. But people that aren't working in the firearms industry that do it as a hobby, there's a lot of people that won't mention to their colleagues they shoot because whenever you talk about firearms in the UK, one or two of two things pop up and that's Dunblane or Hungerford. And and that is what is sort of imprinted on everybody's minds of a certain age, I would say. Um, and, and it's just a lot of people are fearful to even say that they enjoy shooting um, in a, in a non-shooting environment. So like shooters in, in some cases will live two, li- like two lives. They have their shooting life and then they have their, what they refer to as their normal life um, mm-hmm. or what the, the greater public would refer to. But a lot, a lot of the public, I would say the majority of the, the, the greater public don't have a clue that guns are legal to own here. And no. it does come as quite a shock when you tell them. And uh, before I started doing Maglode, before before I made it full-time anyway, I was a teacher and I was uh, a taught apprenticeship. So I'd go out to shops and teach people one-on-one. And I always used to be really open with them when they asked about what I did and like, I like, go shooting. And they're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that yet. Well, you have to get this license and you can go and shoot whatever you like. Um, and all these meetings are recorded because that's how we record that. We've actually taught them something, not that they ever learn anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my boss picks it up and she sits me down she goes uh you, have you been talking to them about guns i said yeah it's not illegal to talk to them about guns and educate them in the proper use of firearms it's like yeah but we don't like you talking about guns it's that's that that sort of thing is rife and it's everywhere you know you can't talk about this sort of stuff at work not if you work in the industry which yeah, that's okay that's, that's, that's not that far different from south africa no. um wait wait we are, at the moment at least, we have a greater variety of firearms with less restrictions that we can own than the UK. Our, our licensing conditions are quite quite strict and painful to go through, but we're able to own a, a variety of firearms at the moment at least. But still, you'll... Turn off. <laughs> I'll be gone out again. Get your BB gun out. A lot of people will not speak about shooting outside of their uh, their shooting fraternity. Mm-hmm. So you'll if you're having a, a, I don't know what you'd call it. We'll call it a bry over here. I don't know if you guys call it barbecue. a barbecue like the we'll call it barbecue. Like, like we're, the we're, we're more civilized. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. More civilized. Yeah. A bry is <laughs> when you have real meats on a fire, and a barbecue is when you have processed things. Like don't, don't, don't get me wrong, actually. My um, my part, my partner's dad is South African, so I've had plenty of briar in my lifetime. <laughs> there we go. Good man. <laughs> so over here, you, like in, in a professional context. Farmer's sausage. <laughs> <laughs> There's one time in Dorset. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going off the rails. This is off the rails for you guys. No, 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 no. This is no, this no. is going. It's not there yet. <laughs> it'll it'll get there. Um, so, what do you guys compete in? So, we know that Paul competes in Action Air based mm-hmm. on uh, his introduction. You guys oh. shoot shotgun and. Yeah. Uh, well, my main my main thing is is shotgun, so I shoot pump action, standard manual. Um, I do all right at it, not too bad. Not too bad. 
Tell him again to be. You don't have to be humble. Tell him to not be modest. Stop being modest. Uh, You're uh, the best standard manual in the country. Uh, a grandmaster, um, first standard manual last year. First time, nice. first time, first standard manual. It's always been second up until that point. <laughs> That's really good. Nice. Uh, one one question for you, Connors. Mm. If Magload gets really successful, are you going to buy a proper shotgun that's not broken? <laughs> oh, you mean the new Nova Speed? <laughs> yeah, probably. <Yes. laughs> Sorry. Hey, you, know, you can say that all you want, but up until you can outshoot me with your semi-auto, you've oh, got nothing to say. Oh, <laughs> Is that a challenge? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I take that challenge. <laughs> I'm talking about hitting targets as well, just to caveat yeah. that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Cedric. I thought we'd say Demi. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going back on mute. That's <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel can talk to himself and not sound crazy. <laughs> it's just the yeah, so- dismay on his face. He just... He looks like he's, the heart's fallen out of the bottom of him. <laughs> he, he knows where this is going to go. So. <laughs> no, that's cool. I think that's a cool conversation. I think that's a cool challenge. And I think we should do that challenge one day. Yeah. That'll be quite cool I still to match. see. I mean, I'm going to regret it, but I'm up for it. <laughs> so all I yeah. need to do is, you guys are all going to chip in, get me a plane ticket to the next big level three in the UK. Because, I mean, we've got to make this fair. And we, we can't bring Connors here because of the altitude. <laughs> it would it would be unfair. I'd have yeah. a competitive advantage. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll up, You're a team, and we'll upset your hand. Are you, Callum? What do you primarily shoot? Also, shotgun or? Uh, yeah, I'd say my, my main discipline is, is your shotgun. mouth. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's shotgun. I shoot the right division, which is uh, standard division. Oh, main um, division. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. None of that open or standard manual stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm only very, I'll say, very recently. It's, it's been more in my recent shooting career that I've got into IPSC. It was mainly a lot of three gun um, and a lot of club competitions. And I, I was going to the states um, regularly to, to sort of shoot out there. Um, but after sort of meeting Connors and sort of um, coming together on Magload, obviously, I've, I've seen the light. And now when you I'm on say the- coming together. <laughs> um, I thought we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> Here comes the dick slap. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah, has to be no, at the same time, apparently. Yeah. I focus more on, on IPSC, and you know, whilst there's a, a whole variety of different disciplines, I love um, handgun when I get to do it properly, either over in Northern Ireland or the States or, or Prague. Um, but it, it's shotgun. A shotgun where I'm restricted here it's, it's where I think we actually have a, a chance of you know, really competing at the top level um, as individuals and mm-hmm. as a nation because we're not hindered by our laws. Min- mini rifle as well, um, but really I want to sort of focus it down on onto the shotgun. But I, I always say anything with the trigger I'm willing to go and pull and, and have a go with. Uh, but yeah, shotgunner as well. Yeah, As it should be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, shotgun is best gun. That, that yeah. is the official position of welcome to the gun show. Yeah, um, agree. <laughs> So are you guys currently going through uh, selection matches for the world shoot or has the team been selected? Um, no, the team's not been selected yet. Uh, criteria have not yet been announced, but 
it's expected it will have to be about four level threes for us over here to qualify to even go. And then national squad selection will probably happen towards the end of this year. Um, so we don't know who's going. We might go, we might not go. But we'll probably we'll probably go one way or another. But yeah, there's always a sponsorship <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do they normally select teams over there? Uh, it, will, it will be on points. So all of our divisions tend to have at least 20 or 30 people vying for positions on the squads and the teams. Um, so there's a big pool of people to pick from, for shotgun at least. So, yeah, they will select it based off of points. Um, they try and make sure it's weighted in such a way that it's not an attendance competition. Um, it's actually based off of average score. So, you know, the more competitions you attend, the more chance you have of recovering a bad comp. But hmm. that aside, it's all about how well you do. Excellent. Yeah, so pretty similar to us. I mean, we we'll normally have they'll we'll run three level threes and they'll take uh, the best two scores um, out of those. So your best two and the top four guys on the team. Um, yeah. Shotgun here is unfortunately it's quite a bit smaller than than handgun. Obviously, um, it's probably smaller than rifle. Um, uh, Mini rifle here has been tiny. Action air isn't a thing, and and for various reasons, some of us. Well, because you have handguns. So yes, you, yes, you have yeah. guns. Um, like if, we, if we had handguns, he wouldn't be shooting action air either. <laughs> <laughs> action air is the devil in but, countries uh, where they're trying to take <laughs> handguns away. Actually, that argument's been uh, that argument's been used over here as well. UKPSA did go to discussion at, uh, at our IPSC franchise council. Um, they were discussing whether or not to support Action Air at all at one point because they were worried that the government would use it as an example as to why we don't need other sorts mm. of guns. Uh, luckily, that was quashed because the Action Air shooters are some of the best shooters they have in the country. Um, just they need a bit more recoil. There's been the same yes. question as well with um, with the two plus one. So uh, a barrier to entry uh, in terms of certification here is getting a firearm certificate is slightly harder to get and takes slightly longer to get than a shotgun certificate. And you would think, well, you know, in the meantime, why don't people just compete with two plus ones, which they do. Um, but obviously you're not on a, a level playing field with somebody with an unrestricted capacity mm -hmm. gun. Um, and the conversation and arguments being brought forward many times about creating a two plus one division specifically for the UK because it, it would be pointless internationally. And the same argument is used. Mm. As soon as we create a two plus one division and we can show and, and effectively show the government that we can, in their mind, do the sport still with just restricted shotguns, we get the whole lot taken away. I'm, I, I disagree with that approach. I, I think it's a... Um, it, we get more people shooting it. We're going to have more people to protect the sport. Um, and at the moment, it is a bit of a barrier, but it, it is definitely um, a balancing act. See, the thing is, all those arguments that people use about why you shouldn't support Action Air, why you shouldn't have a two plus one division, all those arguments fall down instantly when you realize that they base their arguments off of the government using logic and proof to make the laws. Yes. Amen. Which we know there is none of that yes. involved. It doesn't matter which side of the equator you're on. Um, the politicians are all lying. Just, uh, <coughs> sorry. Politicians <laughs> are of a similar ilk. Uh, um, I think it also, it, it also, I think, circles back to something we said we were discussing earlier. And, and Corn hits on it that it's a bit similar here that people are often a little bit 
they're a little bit quiet about being involved in shooting. Uh, you know, I work in industry, so kind of if you if you know me, you're going to assume I have guns. So I don't make it a big secret. But a lot of people I know are quite, they don't want to mention it because here, yeah, because people sometimes carry guns, they don't want that to come up. Um, but also just that perception that gun owners are all crazy people, um, you know, Rambo wannabes or whatever. And then because they don't talk about it, the perception gets strengthened because if you knew that Bev from HR um, shot Ipsic on the weekend, you'd probably be more inclined to to go, well, maybe they're normal people. Uh, but that's one of the challenges I think we all face. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been saying for years we need to be more more vocal. We're not doing anything wrong. You know, we're some of the most law-abiding citizens in, in our respective countries. Uh, and you just have to look at the statistics. It's like if, if you're going to pick someone to to know you want to know a gun owner because they're mm. they're less likely to commit a crime and and, and be of a let's say model citizen. But out of fear, out of fear of losing your guns. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, like certainly in the UK, it, it doesn't take a lot to to get on the naughty list, um, as it were. Uh, but yeah, look, and and people are scared that all, all it takes is someone to be anti-gun mm. to find out that you have guns and make a complaint, and 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 that's in some situations all it takes. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. It's I mean, it's nonsensical. What what is the process there to get a shotgun certificate, to get a firearm certificate? What do you what do you have to do? What hoops do you have to jump through? What's the time period? That sort of thing. Um, the time period depends on where you live in the country. So we have firearms licensing departments which are done by county, um, and the performance and and turnaround times vary wildly between county to county. Some will be able to turn around a, a first-time application in a few weeks. Uh, some will take longer than a year. Uh, for a shotgun certificate, uh, the, the biggest difference is for a shotgun certificate, you need you don't need to provide good reason. The police have to provide a reason of why you'd be unsuitable to possess a shotgun certificate. So pretty much if you decide you want to get into clay pigeon shooting, you download the application form, you fill it in, you have to provide a, uh, a referee to so somebody that you've known for longer than two years and the higher standing they have in society. So being a solicitor, a doctor, uh, so on and so forth, uh, will be better. Um, but it can now be be anyone. There used to be that requirement, but it can now be anyone that you've just known for two years. Um, you'll submit your application. Uh, you'll have a, uh, a face-to-face interview. So uh, not a police officer, but a, a police staff member will come round to your house. Um, it's usually about an hour-long interview. They'll check your safe. So we, we have to have safes that have been approved by the police for storage. Uh, and then you now have a GP form. Uh, so you have to go to your doctor, and they basically have to tick and say that you've you've not had any mental health issues or, or physical uh, health issues. Or if you have, the doctor then has to make a judgment of whether that's going to affect your ability to possess a firearm without posing a danger to the public. Um, and provided all the other background checks for you know criminal records go fine, you you will then be issued your certificate. You'll be able to go out. The difference with a but with firearm certificate, yeah, yeah. For, for a firearm certificate, you need to have good reason for every single gun that you want. So when you apply, you have to apply for what we call slots. So even if you want three different 308s, you want a you know 
a stalking rifle in three away and you want a target rifle in three away and maybe another long distance rifle in three away. I didn't think you'd be able to think of a third one. You, um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to back because powers. Um, you have to justify every single one. Um, so you know, going for you know, for your first time application, I I advise people don't go more than eight. If you go more than eight, you're going to be very hard to justify with with little experience. Uh, so you have to provide that good reason. Good reason can consist of you know hunting or stalking, target shooting. But then if you, if it's target shooting, you need to be a full member of a Home Office approved club, and that can take some time as well. It, it will take usually three to six months to complete your probational period, and then once you are a full member of that Home Office approved club, then you can apply. And then again, that can take another, well, anywhere from a month to, to a year. So you could be looking potentially 18 months from the from the point that you decide you want to get into shooting to getting your firearm certificate. It could be 18 months. It could be a lot shorter. There is very much a lottery going on because it depends on your county. It depends on your club. Some clubs might tell you you have to attend three shoots and they might hold a shoot twice a week, in which case you, you know, you're done with your probation in two weeks. Whereas other clubs which might only shoot five or six times a year who want you to do three shoots. That's a different story. So my my entry into the sport, um, when I discovered that my university had a shooting club, I basically asked all the questions that, that everyone does. How do I do this? Um, so from that first shoot, I instantly put in for my shotgun certificate. That took six months. Um, and the probational period at the club was six months or so. So I, I pretty much got my shotgun certificate, became a full member of the club and put in for my firearm certificate. Uh, that took another six months. So to get the firearm certificate, 12 months total for me, including the probational membership and six months for the shotgun. The the other difference with the firearm certificate is uh, you need two references. You need to have two people that have known you for, for longer than two years and that are sort of going to put their necks on the line for yeah. you as, as and it were. This is actually quite a bad thing. If you're anything like him, you don't know more than that person, <laughs> so... And and the well, the, the, the cat. I mean, <laughs> the cat as a reference. There's, uh, there's caveat. So, how much did you have to like on us? <laughs> About what? Uh, on his reference. Oh no, I refuse to give him reference. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you, friends you, are for. You ask him. I'm not joking. <laughs> as far as I remember, you are my reference. Oh shit. Um, but actually, I've just I've, I've just realised that so one of the caveats of your references, um, they can't be uh, an active police officer, um, and they can't be a firearms dealer. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Connors has recently been granted a firearms dealership. So I'm well, then you're fucked. Sure. Yeah. But when when I applied, he wasn't an RFD. So no, they're not going to take that. And you know, they're probably going to tell me to reapply or find somebody else. That's the thing is, you, you, you'd, you'd probably all right as long as their interview with me wasn't face to face because they take one look at the beard. And, you know, <laughs> so basically, what you're telling me is, I couldn't use Lance, Daniel, or Tarek as references. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, I'd probably advise against it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't use me as a reference either. They I haven't mean, even met you guys in person and they're going like, fuck that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like the doctor's, the GP's letter, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that I'm sure could be a challenge if you have a GP who doesn't approve of firearms. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's very, very common um, because of general public perception that the doctors uh, actively will try to withhold your GP's form. 
um, what that has created is because here in the, I don't know if it might be the same for you guys, um, but you can have access to all your medical records if you ask for it. Um, that's led sure. to that's led to lots of like little pop up private um, agencies who will do your they, they will look through your medical records if you get them and they'll sign off on the form for you. Um, but we, we usually see with these sort of anti gun doctors, we usually see two things happen: they will outright reject to to have anything to do with it. Um, well, then you actually have to move doctors um, hmm. or go go the private route. Or what they will do is make the application or or the the fee um 500 pound you know yeah. it's it's to have it done privately it's anywhere between 60 and 80 pound um my gp charged me 60 i think it was uh but yeah i've seen people quoted 200 300 pound and it's it's purely like i don't want to do it but if you're going to pay me that that much money i will and the, i have a principal objection to firearms but i'm a whore yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me money <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that, that happens. And the thing is, is we, we, we've seen the form. Um, yes, the doctor will have to read through your medical records, but it's generally it's your GP who does have some knowledge of you. And it's four tick boxes on the form. That's what they got. To no, no, it's a bit, bit more than that. It's, it's, it's basically... All a, a, bit, a bit of an exaggeration then, but yeah. it's, it's not a complicated form for them to, yeah, to fill out. It's, yeah. it's basically, is there, you know, there's, I think it's about 10 different uh, mental ailments Um and basically, they have to tick and say that there's no, uh, you know, cases or traces of any of these, um, you know, mental health issues within your um, uh, within your medical history. But you know, life does sometimes happen to people, and and it is one of the the biggest questions that I seem to get, which is, you know, I was on antidepressants, or you know, I had anxiety at this point, or I was signed off work for stress um, for this period. Um, and they will bring that up. It will get flagged when you when you apply. And you know, unfortunately, mental health issues uh, and, and mental health in general, it's it varies massively from person to person. Yeah. So you can never give a, a definitive answer. It's it's not necessarily a complete blacklist, but it is going to make things more difficult for you um, in the application process. There, there was actually somebody who um, they they were they're an ambulance driver. They're an ambulance technician. Um, and was going through a lot of stress at, at work, was doing their um, their assessments. They were trying to move up to be a, a paramedic, um, and they were just under a lot of stress, and they ended up getting signed up work for two weeks. Well, they were a firearms certificate holder. Somebody at work notified the police that they had been signed off um, under stress, um, and then he got invited to voluntarily surrender his firearms and firearms certificate um, so that they could review the case. When they ask you to voluntarily um, surrender them, uh, it's it's not quite how it sounds. Well, it's actually it's actually a bit a bit more ominous than that because if they come and they take your certificate and they take your guns, you have the right to appeal. Yep. If you voluntarily surrender them, thinking you're doing the right thing, you have no grounds to appeal. Ah. So they can wow. hold you in in limbo, and that's exactly what's happened with this guy. If you if you have a revocation, there's an appeals process. There is stuff set out that you you can do but if you voluntarily handed them in then then there's actually no structure for that in law or in the processes so they do just hold you there i i think he's now been without his guns for well over a year um and he's still trying to get them get them back and and bearing in mind he's got no criminal record yes he he was signed off with stress you know a year 18 months ago he's not on any medication it's his doctor completely supports that he's not a risk even when he was signed off with stress he's not a risk 
but the police are still trying to, you know, assess the situation, as it were. Again, we, kind of, we say police, it's not the police yeah. specifically, it's uh, police staff, civil servants who do this. That's not that different from here. Okay. Um, we, for a first time gun owner, you're looking at, at the moment, probably anything between nine and 12 months to get your very first license. If you're um, lucky at the moment. Yeah, but when, when I started, you could you could submit competency and firearm license at the same time. So the, the periods for being declared competent to own a firearm and licensing the firearm ran parallel to each other, where now it's sequential. You have to complete your competency application, which takes usually not at the moment, but usually takes four months. Uh, and then you can only submit your firearms license application, which would usually take three months on top of that at the moment double those periods if I've you're lucky two i applied for in june last year yeah if you're lucky so double those if you're lucky i'm still um, waiting for that. we need we need character references very similar yeah. to yours hmm. um we have to motivate a need for pretty much every firearm we own because um, yeah, our guns are individually like yeah so we don't motivate for slots we, we, we have don't to go, go i want a 308 for that yeah, so you have to buy gun and then go for license number XYZ. I need a license because, um, and then that process will, say, in the past, take about four months to get through. Um, on the mental health side, um, I had to submit some paperwork from a doctor. It was actually relatively painless. Um, there's a there's a on the application form. There's a section where you fill in your sort of criminal history. So I have no pending cases against me or I have had pending cases, but they were dismissed um, or I have been convicted of X, Y, Z, you declare those. And then there is a mental health checkbox where I've never been diagnosed with clinical depression or, you know, anxiety or whatever. If you say, yes, you have, you have to also go through a process where you need to get a psychiatrist to, to actually provide a letter saying that you're not a risk to the general public. That went pretty well for me. Um, like the doctor had no problems. He'd known me for years and uh, he was perfectly fine with firearms ownership as a concept. I do know of other people who have been sort of, they're the black sheep of firearms ownership now because, you know, they, they had something once upon a time and now forever they are a, a danger to the public despite not actually being anything. So that's kind of very similar. Um, <laughs> You know, do they, do they, will they monitor? Um, you say for good reason. Is, is there like like an annual review or, or a per periodic review of if you still have that good reason, or if yeah. you get the license for it? Do they? Is that just it? You never hear from them again? No. So licenses have to be renewed depending on the section. Um, so uh, section thirteen, which is self defence, is every five years. Section 14, which is a restricted firearm for self-defense, is every two years. And then Section 15, 16, and 17, which are occasional hunter or sportsman, dedicated hunter or sportsman or, or collector, um, every 10 years. And then you have to you have to renew 90 days before the expiry date. We've just had a massive court case that didn't go well. Um, if you don't renew in time, you can't renew. You lose your gun. Uh, yeah. And, and you're, you're saying that you, um, you have to have a license for every single gun. So 
theoretically, like, are you constantly renewing licenses? You know, because if you buy a yeah. gun every year, then obviously every yeah. year you then hmm. well. So you your competency. Different stations have different approaches. Um, not that the law is different; they just have different approaches. And and one of the things, and I'm sure you guys have a similar thing, whether the legislation requires X, Y, or Z. If your local firearms office wants X, you take them X, unless it's unless it's something unreasonable. You go, you know, my station wants. If you apply for a sport license, they want scores to prove that you you shoot despite you having the status. I give them a pile of scores and go, look, I shoot matches. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to, your, your competency, if it's not, if you don't have a license tied to it, it expires. If it does have a license tied to it, it expires when the last license. So we have competency for handgun, competency for shotgun, competency for manual rifle, and then competency for self-loading rifle. Um, so if you've got license for that, that competency stays valid. It's very complicated and makes very little sense. And then every 10 years on that gun, you have to renew the license and re-justify why you want the gun. So you re-motivate. So a license application is going to be sort of at least half an inch of paperwork um, for every gun. Uh, and then it's needs-based um, for various reasons. The police refuse to, to supply the checklist that, that they use. Uh, so you'll obviously, you'll often get, and they go through periods where, so I, I went through a stage, I shot my shotgun, I sold my, my current shotgun, I applied for a, a replacement shotgun, um, I, I gave them a log position of, I, I was only number three in the country, I'm not quite Connors, um, and I got refused because of lack of need, I'm not convinced of need. I didn't own a shotgun at the time. I, I owned no shotgun, so then you have to appeal it. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird system. Um, it it could work better than it does. Um, some things are very heavily restricted. So weirdly enough for us, um, semi-automatic long guns are, are the short of full autos are the hardest thing to get. So as a, as a normal gun owner, if you don't have dedicated state guns, um, or you could have any combination of, of long guns. Just let me know if I go robot voice because it says my internet connection. You've been going robot voice for a while. I'm going to stop your video and then you can continue talking. Uh, fuck you. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's much better. Um, so you're, uh, as a normal gun owner, you can have four guns. Um, you can have one under section 13. You can own a maximum of two handguns and then a maximum of two long guns, but they can't be semi-auto. And that includes 22s. That includes shotguns. Um, it, they have to be manual. If you if you have what's known as dedicated status, so your association has signed you off as a dedicated sportsman. So for IPSC, you have to join SAPSA, which is our, our UK PSA. Um, you have to remember in good standing. You have to get six points a year. So we give you get one point for a, a, a level one, two for a level two. Um, you need to get and maintain six points a year, and then you can apply for dedicated status. With that, only then can you own semi-automatic long guns, but you have to get an endorsement from the association saying that the gun is legal for the sport, um, and then you still have to write a motivation as to why you need the gun, which they can still refuse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's there's, there's a, a lot of synergies 
between mm, here. But yeah. in, in some ways, actually, I'm sure there's there's ways that ours is a lot worse, but it sounds like there's a, a few bits that are a lot worse for you guys. I mean, one of the biggest things that people have wanted to change for a while is this whole having individual slots mm. for a firearm certificate. If we, like with a shotgun certificate, once you've gone and got it, you can buy any caliber shotgun any quantity. and any quantity at any time. Um, and, you know, I, I've always asked the question of if if you're competent with a 308, why can't you have a 223? You know, mm. what are you going to go and do with that 223 that you can't go and do with the with the 308? Um, and it's just the paperwork. It's the, the cost to the taxpayer. It's the amount of time um, and efficiency of the licensing departments. And uh, no one can actually give an answer of, of why we have the slots and what benefit to the public they have. Oh, well, okay. You're keeping people employed at the uh, farm office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fact. But, it sounds familiar. Fact. You know, ev- everyone talks about, you know, how much time do police have to actually really vet someone? Well, if they weren't sort of doing all this, in my mind, excess paperwork, they would have a lot more time to vet people and really go into the finite detail. And, and of course, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's very much all about the person, not the gun. So mm-hmm. if you have any resources being spent on looking on the type of gun or the you know, good reason for that gun, for me, that's just wasted time where they could be looking more detailed into the person. And we're we're both supporters of the whole process of looking into the person. We, you know, I think we both feel, I can think of, speak for both of us in saying that we, to an ex- extent, support our licensing system and the certificate system. Parts of it. So things oh, yes. I, I think is it's is right to check someone's mental health hmm. before you issue them a gun. Um, and competency. And competency. Yeah. Well, that you say that, there is no competency requirement for any of our licences. But then that's sort of where the Home Office Group Club comes in. Yeah, but that's, that's not competency. So you can pass probation at a club but still not be competent with a gun because it's normally um, probation uh, periods are based on attendance. Not necessarily. It's not. It's not written anywhere that no. you have to be competent, or or there is a competency well, so check. I just, I just want to say, like your experience with clubs is a, with a lot of like more progressive clubs, um, clubs who will say you have to have a safety certification mm-hmm. or something like that to pass probationary membership. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of clubs out there who all they do is shoot two two rifle, or all they do is shoot long distance full bore. Have no such uh, safety requirements to become a full mm-hmm. member, just an attendance requirement. Um, I'm not sure how I feel on that. <laughs> so that's that's not as far removed from South Africa as you might think. Um, so we have what's called proficiency training, which is a, a basic course in firearms. Um, that includes the law, which is a mandatory uh, module that you have to do. And then it, it includes um, optional modules per firearm type. The ones that Tarek mentioned earlier, handgun, shotgun, semi-auto, long gun, no, um, semi-auto rifle. Semi-auto rifle. Yeah, sorry. It, it doesn't so it's the shotgun. same competency for a single-shot break-open shotgun as it is for a 1301, but semi-auto rifles are different. Are the devil. There's, there's a yes. separate competency. They for scarier, don't they? Well, yeah. yeah, some of them are black. Yeah. They're not even brown and blue. They're black oh, no, and no. evil. See, I don't, I don't get what, the, what these people's problem are with black guns. I mean, are they racist or something? <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you've gone through proficiency training does not mean in any way, shape or form that you are proficient, safe or understand the law. Uh, it should. But based on experience, meeting people uh, and people, um, <laughs> 
it sure as hell doesn't mean any of those things. Um, so no. it's it's a checkbox rather than a, a making sure that you are truly safe and truly proficient uh, and truly understand the law relating to these things. I'm going to have to be careful here because before you know it, I'm going to sound like a, an anti-gunner or, or someone advocating for, for gun control. But th this is the most um, frustrating thing for me is there's a lot of things that I think most gun owners in, in the UK certainly would agree with and be on board for introducing or, or maybe amending to be tougher in certain areas. Um, but obviously, if you support any tougher things, you're going to get 10 times what you're, you're advocating. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's just it's frustrating that they do all of these things that, that they, they're known not to prevent crime or to prevent you know harm by a firearm and things like that. And if they were more willing to work, um, you know, work with us and you know, talk to us about it, we would end up with a much better system. People, people aren't safe and aren't unsafe here with firearms. We have like statistically like 15 deaths a year attributed <laughs> to firearms that, includes you know all, all sorts from from crime suicide uh, accidents um so there isn't a fire you know an issue here with, with gun deaths or, or gun violence but you know if you listen to the, the media they're, they're going to say uh, otherwise but there's certainly well, if a way you listen to a politician they'll tell you it's because of the gun laws yeah because the yeah, gun yeah. laws are definitely keeping the guns out of criminal hands because they obey the law just like because well, they yeah. they obviously submit the uh, character witnesses yeah. Uh, this is my buddy who commits crime with me. <laughs> All we'd like to do is pass a law making it illegal to murder and rob people. See, that would fix the everything. Uh, None of them thought of that. That's <laughs> weird. The real stick in the dick for us, which is handgun. Like, okay, semi-automatic pool balls, we, we would like back, but handguns the biggest ones for us. 40% of all firearm offences today are committed with handguns in the UK. Despite yet, you can't own them. But you can't have them. They, they are, they, they are the, it's the largest single group of firearms responsible for firearm offences. And they were, well, we say banned, they were heavily restricted in, um, in uh, 1996 yeah. or seven. I think it was. When we say restricted, they're put in the same category as full auto guns, which is uh, only a very select group of firearms dealers can even apply for that. Um, um, you need more justification. So you need justification for a firearms certificate, even more and a business case to become a firearms dealership and even more of a business case and justification to become, which is a section five uh, dealer. Um, and it's it's a whole world of pain. Um, it takes forever. You you sneeze in the wrong direction, you'll get it taken away from you. Um, but there, there is the mechanism here. Um, and they, they have opened, up, uh, opened it up slightly. There are currently uh, 20 section five sporting licenses. So the government have sort of admitted that for our GB pistol team to actually stand a chance mm. of, of winning any medals, they need to regularly train. So our National Shooting Centre has managed to sort of wangle these 20 Section 5 sporting licences, which allow GB athletes to retain their guns. I think they are, they're still stored at Bisley, but they, are, they have um, permission or they are permitted to go and check out that gun and use it on particular ranges. So it, it, there is something going on in the background to potentially open up sport, you know, uh, handgun use for sport, but it's still, you know, very, very difficult to get into. And it's kind of, you know, that they're happy to take, you know, notice of the medals at the Olympics. Um, 
when they expect you to fly to France to practice. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, at uh, I mean, I I saw the Team GB guys at the the European Angen Champs in in Belgrade a couple of years ago, and the guys were proudly there in their national colours, and you know they were very proud to be Team GB, and it's kind of sad that you know you you're there to represent your country. And you, you're not allowed. And, and if they had have won anything, they would have, you know, it would have been a a, a good thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe not with IPSC handguns because that's really, really bad. Um, but these poor, you know, and it was like it was just shitty. You know, the there the guys are, and they have to keep their guns somewhere else. Uh, so did it say like on their shirts, Team GB, and then in sort of small subscript uh, from France? <laughs> <laughs> The team so, Northern Ireland guys had the coolest shirts ever because they had the uh, what's it the Snow King from uh, Game of Thrones on their shirt, which was. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> nice. we, um, uh, Connors and I were both out at the um, the European Handgun Championship. Oh. We followed um, followed the the Team GB yeah. um, for for more publicity because it, it all tied in really nicely because the, the the fact they don't know means they didn't watch the videos. Oh, we'll send you some. Terry, <laughs> I think I actually watched some of those videos. Yeah. I yeah. remember this. Uh, so it, it, it there was no Nexus it. Pro in them. Sorry. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it it's, it's handgun. Um, it coincided with, um, there's a, a range out in Northern Ireland called NHTSA, um, mm. and the Northern Irish equivalent of the UK PSA. NIPSC. NIPSC, um, or NIPSIC. No. They hate can't being called. Call, can't call them that. Um, so we... Uh, they basically got together and, and between the range and the UKPSA and, and Nipsic, they, they came to an agreement which... Was... <laughs> Sorry, UKPSA and who? NIPSC. <laughs> um, I'm never going to be allowed to Nipsa ever again. No. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's actually already been warned once for this exact offence that he'll be banned for the range if he continues to call it Nipsic. And that was the first time was completely unintentional. So I'm, I'm definitely in for shit now. Uh, so Callum, stop saying Nipsic. Nipsic, Nipsic, Nipsic. Sorry, sorry, that was bad connection. Uh, <laughs> um, they, um, yeah, there's a number of handguns that have been um, you know, basically put aside out there for, for use of UKPSA members. So once you have your competition license in, in short arms, um, you are able to uh, you know, go out there and, and book out a range and book out one of these handguns to be able to shoot. We still need to get on a plane or a boat to go and do it, but it's it's over to Northern Ireland. You're still within the UK. It's a 45 minute flight. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, and we we live like half an hour away from Southampton Airport, so we could probably make door to door the trip in around two to three hours um, uh, to to the range. So it, it has opened up um, a, a lot more just, ease of shooting, and also keeps the cost down to be able to train regularly. Well, I just want to point that, point out one thing out is it's not the same as training because you still don't have. Uh, a gun to dry drill at mm. home with. Um, you're not always getting the same gun whenever you go out there because you're borrowing for a pool of club guns. Um, it's There is no real training that can be done at NHTSA. It's more just to go out there just to shoot something you can't normally over, mm. overhear. And, and the interesting thing is, and I don't know, maybe you guys already know this, but Northern Ireland is part of the UK and has the same laws as us. Um, just a slight difference in the way they view uh some parts of the law means that they can have handguns. Yeah, they're, they're allowed handguns for sport, um, and they are also allowed it for other purposes that we aren't here on on the mainland. Non-sporting um, which, purposes. Yeah, non-sporting. <laughs> um, 
So, which is, it's sort of, a lot of people go out of all of the places in the UK, you're allowed a handgun in Northern Ireland. Like, that's, you know. <laughs> so, interestingly, you guys mentioned that uh, the, the the GB team is hopefully going to be able to have access to, to handguns in order to train because there is at least some acknowledgement that uh, training is an important part of remaining competent and proficient. Um we currently have a 200 round limit per firearm license for non-dedicated shooters. So if you have a self-defense firearm or you have a hunting rifle or a shotgun that you, occasional hunting, so you're doing um, clay pigeon or you're shooting actual wing shooting or whatever, 200 rounds per license. They are in the new amendments proposing a hundred round limit per firearm license. And I think that's across the board, not just for, for occasional guys, even for, yeah. or for dedicated sports shooters. And is that, so you, you can't, you can't do a match with a hundred rounds. Yeah. No, you can't. But also one of the key things in the act says the act is there to promote safe and responsible firearms use and to ensure people remain competent, but you're imposing a hundred round yeah. limit. Per firearm license. No, no, no. I I get it. I get it. I actually understand this. It's like saying people be safer when they're driving their cars if they're not allowed to drive their cars. That seems legit. (laughs) If no one is allowed to drive a car, the roads will be safe when you drive your car. I yeah. cannot believe we had to go to the UK to get a proper interpretation of this law, but I'm glad we did. Oh, yes. For first world thinking. <laughs> we have ammunition limits as well. So the, the, the ammunition, okay, there's not, you can't really dwell on that because the ammunition limits are quite flexible. If you've got good reason, well, you can have. It, it depends on your firearms licensing department and your firearm inquiry officer whether they're reasonable or not. It does, but, but well, well, one department might see a hundred rounds as reasonable, or another department might see ten thousand rounds as reasonable. But um, you, you will have a, an allocation yeah. again on your firearm certificate, which is it's a buy and hold um, allowance. So um, usually it's it's anywhere in the region of sort of three to five thousand rounds for for two two rim fire and two to three hundred rounds for centre fire. Um, calibers. Of course, we can't have semi-auto in um, in center fire, so 300 rounds for a, a bolt action isn't isn't too bad. Oh, I can still get yeah. through that in an hour or so. Well, yeah. <laughs> it lasts a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> it lasts as long as the barrel. <laughs> Barreling is a lot easier in the UK, when you, apparently. When you've only got 300 rounds, you want to make it last. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's now a t- t- we yeah. used to have a, a hold limit and a buy limit. Yeah. Um, so you know your hold limit would be 3,000, but your buy limit would be 1,000. So you couldn't buy a 1,000 rounds in, in any one transaction. You could go to the same shop three times in a day, though. Which I have done um, yes. in the past, which, again, this is one of the points that it just creates extra paperwork because, you know, let's say with the new system, which is a buy, buy and hold limit. So you, you have a thousand rounds of 2-2 rimfire. You can only ever buy up to a thousand or at the same time store. Um, and what can be annoying is that if you have a hundred rounds at home and you want to go and buy a thousand, you can't because then you have 1100, you're, you're over your limit. But there's nothing actually physically to stop you in the system from doing that. Um, so there was one day I took a load of friends shooting to a range. Um, I went to a gun shop, bought like a couple of thousand rounds of, of ammunition. Um, we used it all. I came back through 
um, and bought again another couple of thousand. And the, the gun shop was like, well, we saw you here this morning and now you technically have over your limit in what we sold you today. And I said, well, I shot it. They go, okay. And, and, you know, and they just give it to you. So in, there is nothing stopping you. If you did want to stockpile ammunition, you, you know, if you wait a few days each time, you could just go around a load of different gun shops and stock up. There is nothing physically stopping that you. That would be illegal. It. That would be illegal. And of course, it's you, you would never break the law. You no, know. you'll never get no. <laughs> <laughs> We can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those points of like, you know, let's actually find something that, that works. That works because well, that doesn't. The, the simple system, no. Because no. the second you the second you make it electronic, you start logging how much people are shooting, and that's another kettle of fish. Yeah. The, the, there is there isn't a simple solution other than the simple solution is if you have a gun, you can buy ammunition that's the same caliber of that gun, no limits. No, yeah. that, we'll, we'll, that, that's the logic. common sense solution, which is why you'll never have that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, South Africa has the same problem with uh, the 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 non-dedicated hunter or non-dedicated sports shooter um, collectors to, to a certain degree, um, where you're allowed 200 rounds per license and you're allowed 2,400 primers uh, as a as a non sort of primers that's, not in cases. So yeah. free, that's, free that's, that's, that's simple. Then you just take your reloading bench to the range with you, right? No. So if you buy it at a range where you can dispose of said ammo in in a loud and violent way uh you can buy as much as you want to and then again this is illegal we're not advocating that you do this please don't do this because if they show up at your house for an inspection and you have more you're going to be in serious trouble but you could buy ten thousand rounds at the range on your 200 round license because you're going to shoot it and then leave with it in your backpack um no Again, we're not advising you to do that. We we, we well, recommend that you apply for dedicated status, and that's not yeah. a problem anymore. But same big thing. Fucking back. It's a big, it's a big back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes to show that the the laws, whilst they might be well intentioned, just end up making criminals of otherwise law-abiding citizens, whilst not punishing criminals. Mm. Um, and, and and sometimes unintentionally. The, oh yeah, yep, unintentionally. That's what I mean. He he, um, he forgot he had five rounds of 308 in the back of his safe um, for whatever reason. You know, when his hunting jacket, he had two rounds of 308 and he goes and buys 200 rounds. Uh, all of a sudden, he's got 202 rounds and is now a massive threat to public safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What makes that right. even more challenging is for guys with, uh, and we do we understand that you guys are not allowed to have the stuff there, but self-defense firearms where you're you're allowed to have 200 rounds in that license. Um, if you have licenses for dedicated sports shooting of the same caliber, you can have more, but, um, or if you have dedicated sports shooting, depending on which lawyer you talk to, um, but you have, you have 200 rounds that you're allowed. You go and attend a, a course to teach you how to shoot your pistol. Um, you now need to subtract however many rounds your pistol holds, plus how many ever rounds your spare mag holds. <laughs> From your ammo allocation, because when you show up with your 200 rounds and you've got 15 rounds in your gun, you're breaking the law. Um, because that 15 rounds makes you absolutely a menace to society. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and I'm I, 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 think, I think anyone who can't count is a menace to society, so I agree. <laughs> Seven, four, three. He's counting his toes. <laughs> Inbreeding is not a thing in the area that he's from, despite what the internet tells us. 
Oh, Where is the area that Cornet's from? Um, <laughs> We're both from four ways at the moment, so careful. <laughs> but the uh, and I'm fairly sure, as as you've mentioned, there we, we have a similar thing that I'm I'm not aware of anyone who's ever been charged with having 205 rounds while committing a crime. You know, it's not. You know, criminals. It's it's like the, the you know your guys like knife laws that. Uh, it just anyway, let's let's stop depressing ourselves with talking about that and let's talk <laughs> about fun stuff. Um so Maglone, I've seen pictures of what appears to be a massive beast of a machine. Uh which one? <laughs> I know, it was a giant big square thing. Oh uh, the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, we're gonna go get another fridge tomorrow as well. It's great. Ah machines. <laughs> So what's uh, what's so happening? That, that is a three D printer. Um, it prints. So currently, whilst all of our stuff is three D printed, we some we subcontract it out to another company um, elsewhere in the UK to do because those machines are extremely expensive, and they have sixteen of them. You know, that's all they do is they sit there printing stuff for people. So we send it to them. Um, we recently had a chance to acquire one for ourselves. It prints in plastic. Um, and it's the same exact same machine. All of our stuff is currently printed on with the subcontractors. So just bringing that in house. It's all about process control, reducing lead times, that sort of thing. Um, and tomorrow we're going to go pick up another one that prints in metal. <laughs> so uh, between the two, <laughs> we can make some cool shit. We're on so many watch lists at this point. It's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely <weird>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, then we've got we've got uh, the means. The oh yeah, so they actually changed the law two or three years ago um, in terms of what you could be prosecuted for or how you are prosecuted for intent to manufacture firearms, and and it's something along the lines of you need. I just want to caveat here. Yeah, I have manufacturing specifically on my firearms dealers. That yep. So so what we're talking about here is perfectly <laughs> legal. Yep. Uh, <laughs> You need um, so you need the schematics, uh, be that um, paper drawings or CAD files. Um, you need the equipment, um, so that could be a saw and a hammer, um, or two or, big or, or, 3D printers, or, or a big <laughs> 3D printer. Yeah, um, you, you need the sort of the means slash the experience, and you need the intent. Now, what scares the hell out of us is that. We obviously have the knowledge uh, because we're in the industry. Oh, well, well uh, Connor's also <laughs> Connor's also has the um, has the certificates and the licenses. I'm, yes. I'm, in in my specific case, we're, he's we're, talking about me when he talks about this. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, <laughs> I, I would say in, in my case, the man with the large that, beard. <laughs> um, you know, at one point, <laughs> I had um, I had a three D printer. We all know the various websites where you can go and get files. Um, for said 3D printers. I've got the knowledge and the experience to be able to run a 3D printer. So how do you prove intent? And this is the bit where they could just put it out their ass if they wanted to. They, they, they could just say, you really like guns, you're not allowed guns, so we're going to say that you, you know, with your you know, 3D printer, your knowledge, um, you know, and the, and the schematics you can get offline, we're going to say you have the, enough intent to want to, to want to do it. Again, it's another really good example of a very well-intentioned law that can only be used to prosecute, prosecute law-abiding citizens. Mm. Um, it was intended to crack down on people uh, converting blank-firing weapons to live-firing weapons and that sort of thing. Instead, the only thing it's been useful for are people 
ordering what they thought was BB gun parts off the internet and then it turning out to be real parts. Yeah. And then, you know, in terms of the tools and the equipment, it really is walk into any guy's shed um, and any of those tools could be tools to make a firearm. You know, it's it's very ambiguous and sometimes you have to worry, you have to wonder, is that intentional? Well, it, it does make life much easier when you can when you can add more charges uh, willy nilly. Yeah, but but you are stating here on a, on an international podcast that you have no intention, so it's fine. A- absolutely, we would never break the law. We certainly have no no intention to break the law or violate any firearms laws or other laws. And why would you get licensed to do that, boys and girls? <laughs> <laughs> so now hookers and blow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can print them, we we'll have them. I mean, we oh. wanted. We wanted. I'll send you over a file right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we wanted hookers and blow, but all I got was Callum. <laughs> I try my best. Does he perform both duties though? No, he's got the tits for it. <laughs> Nipsick, right? <laughs> what? What? What's? 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 IPSC Northern Ireland called again? IPSC. <laughs> Someone does not want to get banned. <laughs> See, I, have so, to be, so, I have to be careful. I'm on. I'm a member of the UKPSA council, so I. Okay, not going to rock that boat. Collins has far more to lose than I do. Yeah, I know. This is the problem. <laughs> this is okay, the problem. so you neither of you can say Nipsic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just just for the record, not no, both sorry. of them said Nipsick at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get so many emails about uh, having to cut that out. I'm pretty sure. I think that membership's going to go up, though. Yeah. Hey, no, gen- genuinely, genuinely, it did last time. So, yeah. <laughs> stop it, Eric. No, no. The um, actually, I remember the reason. No, no. The, the reason that they had such an issue. I, we went over there for the first time to to Nitsa to to the rain, um, and I basically plugged the UK PSA the whole time because that's the you know my, my my audience on the channel is from the UK and I'm trying to you know uh, encourage people into the UK PSA and into practical shooting. So I was saying you know this is brilliant. The UK PSA has done this and done that, um, and it was the Northern Irish equivalent of the UK PSA that um, they I think they just felt a bit left out because they had done a reasonable amount of work on it. They were responsible with for working with the UK PSA and I think they just felt left out in, in the credit. Um, so, you know, I, I, I apologise profusely um, and if I'm ever allowed back back there, I will um, I will plug them as much as they want. <laughs> <laughs> Honest. Honest. Full choice of words. Yeah. There's, this is not begging. <laughs> no, this isn't but begging. please allow him back. <laughs> this is plugging and he's offering those services voluntarily. I will plug away quite happily. <laughs> he will plug in and something with nips. I, I, it's very exciting. It's going to be a fucking fantastic weekend for it some. Will, it, will be a, it will be a nip plug. It's got this a nip plug. This is why he's turned his camera on. He's all I can't turn it back on. I can't turn it off. There. He's icon. sitting there pleasuring himself to the dulcet tones of Nipsick. You <laughs> 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 I said it slowly. <laughs> uh, my word. 
Well, this, this is going to get so far off track. This is uh, sorry, professional podcast. You, to- you, podcast. you told us there was no track. No, no, there isn't. Doesn't mean you can't go off it. We highly recommend going off it. That sounds exactly like the same laws that they use to prevent criminals from owning guns. Yeah, no, I get it. Pretty much. No. Uh, it's exactly what happens on this podcast. Oh. Well, I don't know. <laughs> redact, redact, redact. <laughs> they, like, they like to make criminals of us all, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, uh, fuck. But it's easy, actually, you know what? It's easy to say they really, there's a bunch of people doing their job and it, applying laws to the best of their knowledge. But I think actually that's the root of the problem a lot of the time is the people applying the law don't really fully understand it themselves. Well, um, we, we actually have two levels. We obviously have the firearms law here, which is it's written into law. It, hmm. It's pretty much black and white. Um, yeah, so it's not black and white, wherever it says goes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's open to interpretation. So we have what is referred to as the firearms guidance. And the firearms guidance is not law. It is, I guess, to somebody's you know, best uh, approximation, their interpretation of <laughs> what the like law is. guidelines and actual rules. They have these guidelines, but sometimes the, the guidelines can be misleading. Yeah. Um, and the guidelines can also be open to interpretation. So you have interpretation of the law, which then produces interpretation of the guidelines. So it's like interpretation over interpretation. And there can be some points when we always refer and to it as... The, 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 the different counties also have internal yeah. guidelines mm-hmm. built off of those guidelines to try and further clarify stuff. Because at the end of the day, they're hiring uh, ex-traffic police to come and do this job who might know nothing about firearms. So they're trying to make it as clear as they can for them. But at the end of the day, the law is so convoluted, you can't make it clear to someone who doesn't know what it is. So you do need to be properly educated. And a lot of the stuff are not, and unfortunately. Then to, to sort of, as a coverall, we have a thing um, in the UK which is spirit of the law. <laughs> so you, you can actually stay well within the law uh, you know, maybe approaching into the grey area of it, but you can stay within the letter of the law. But because you're not adhering to the spirit of the law, um, they can still, at the very minimum, remove your certificates and potentially even uh, arrest you. And the, the best example of this was um, bump fire stocks. So actually, up until the most recent um, offensive weapons bill, which came into act um, May 19, I think it was, um, Bump fire stocks were technically legal in the UK, but there is no way you'd ever walk out of court uh, a free man if you were caught with one because they were acting not in the spirit of the law. So it's it's basically a catch-all for everything that they couldn't think of at the time. They leave this very you know ambiguous spirit of the law um, to sort of get you with as, as well. So um, and and you would think you know the firearms licensing department are there to sort of help and guide you on this. Um, you know, when I had my, my firearm certificate and a, I had a Section 1 shotgun, one of the conditions on my uh, certificate was that I could only use that gun for um, approved courses of fire by either the UKPSA, NRA, NSRA, or by somebody with adequate experience and insurance. So I asked my firearm inquiry officer, the, the people responsible for interviewing you and effectively giving you the certificate, look, what am I... Ad- adequately experienced and knowledgeable in terms of having a, you know, setting a course of fire. And they said, that's for you to decide. Well, <laughs> I, I, I sort of want to make sure that if I decide yes, that I'm I'm not going to end up in trouble. And he said, well, I'll put it clearer. 
would you be able to justify to a judge that you are you have adequate knowledge and experience? We said, well, no, that's why I'm asking you. He said, if you want me to give you an answer, I'm going to say no. So I won't give you an answer and I'll leave it to you. So what that leads, like, leads you to do is I might be breaking the law here. I have tried my best. I've spoken to the person that should really be there to sort of guide me along. They should be advising, not just enforcing. But they won't. And it's all about liability. They don't want to say one thing. And then you stand up in court and say, my FEO said this. And they go, oh, I did Again, actually. And it was and it, and it was wrong. Again, it's something I think that stems to a lack of education. Uh, if they knew the law better, then they could give you better advice. Yeah. But I think they're just trying to work with the minimum of education on on, on the laws they're trying to apply. Try, uh, I think the department heads expect them to pick it up as they go along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So South Africa has similar sort of things to those. I don't know what it's called in our law. But effectively, whatever the law says is not what the law says until it has been challenged in court. So you yeah. can read the letter of the law and you can interpret it, you can have a lawyer interpret it, but they can never give you an absolute clear-cut answer until a precedent has been set in yeah. a court of law, which means someone needs to be the, uh, the, the unlucky thing. bastard to test that particular section of the law in court, win or lose, either way, and then the rest of us have sort of a, a clear cut. Well, you can't do this, even though the letter of the law doesn't technically prohibit you from doing it. In the court of law, it was found that this is not legal. Um, so similar sort of problems. That's why earlier when I said you're allowed 200 rounds on your SD, on your self-defense firearms license, or more if you have dedicated sports shooter, um, that or is in there because this hasn't been tested in the law. And depending on which lawyer you ask, you get a different answer. Um, and until it has been tested in, in actual court, you can't go, well, no, you are allowed or you're not allowed. You have to go sort of, you are, maybe. Because <laughs> the spirit of the law should be a factor here. Um, you know, it, it, it's supposed to be the letter of the law, but you get attorneys and, and that who who you get various degrees of how much of the spirit of the law they put into their interpretation, often depending on who's paying them. Um, in fact, who else can we piss off? Should we bitch about ROs for a bit? Seeing as no. Johan, <laughs> Johan, the RO, the king of the ROs in South Africa has a beard just like yours, but less magnificent. <laughs> Stop Johan hitting on him. Callum's right there. Um, sorry. <laughs> I think we also have a similar issue here in that I, I sometimes get the impression that if, if a policeman is interested in firearms, then they're not allowed to work with the firearms office. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't necessarily have that here. Like you're you're the best firearms inquiry officers we've ever come across have been ones that are interested in themselves. Well, and also the wife. Uh, potentially, yeah, because um, they're jealous. <laughs> he was trying to get rid of the competition. We don't, we don't count him. And they're, they're normally they're normally the best ones if they're shooters themselves because they already understand the law. They're not trying to learn it from scratch after just, spending fifteen years directing cars around. Um, I, I'm not joking. It's just you know, a, a retire. It's 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 a, it's a known vocation for a police officer looking to retire might retire into firearms inquiry and, and that has no relation to what i'm about to, to say but um <laughs> i have had the um the head of our local firearm department 
Um, so this is the guy in, in charge of the office for handing out firearm certificate, um, say to me in person that I have a better understanding of the firearms law than he does. Fuck. And it's, but, and, and he says it quite like, you know, it was compliment, I think it was meant complimentary to, to me because, you know, he was like, you obviously spend a lot of time looking into this. But the way he said it was like, you should be a lot more worried with what you've just said. You know, you're you're the guy responsible here for Did you get that in writing. No, but I, <laughs> no. Uh, but I have happened. witnesses. Um, and 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 again, it's not it's not actually a uh, a condition to be a, an FEO or to be a head of a firearms department to have any previous experience or knowledge of firearms. Which and and also, there's been cases where, um, like somebody up in in Surrey, a, fr a friend of ours, he applied for a long barreled revolver. Um, so if you've seen what LBPs are, it's a revolver with a long barrel. You don't really need to and, and a rod, and a rod. But, but <laughs> and, anyway, and, they, and, and a coat. Uh, what sort of uh, coat hanger? You yeah, coat, yeah, coat, coat, coat hanger. hanger yeah, um, it's it's for convenience, you know. When it's <laughs> when it's stopped, well, it, it rains a lot here in the UK. So when it stopped raining, you can hang your coat on it, just dry it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, um, <laughs> oh shit! He was. Um... <laughs> Hang on. It was, uh, he, yes, please. Um, he was. He was applying for for an LBR, um, and again, because we have to safely store, um, we have to we have to safely store them. They were questioning whether he had enough room. Uh, in his safe for the LBR, and he's he's trying to describe this to the woman on on the phone. And again, she's the one just about to print out his license and give him what he's asking for. But she was going, "But isn't that too big?" And she's he's going, "It's it's a revolver." She goes, "Well, what's that?" And it's like, "Well, it's a handgun." Yeah, but we're not allowed handguns. Well, it, it's not a handgun. It's sort of oh. a rifle. Well, if it's a rifle, then it's not. It's going to be too big. You're not going to put it in. He's like, but it's not a rifle. It's it's a handgun. And it's you know. And they were just in this. And she, he had to get her to Google it. He was like, Google. You know, um, I think it was a a, Chef, a Taurus probably yeah. at the time. You know, a tour, um, you know, UK legal Taurus. And she goes, Oh, oh, that's funny. It's got a rod on the end. And he's going, uh, Yeah, just, you know, yeah. thanks for that. We know. <laughs> so even the people issuing yeah. the licenses, they don't know what you're talking about. And uh, they generally do. The, the yeah. firearms inquirer who comes around your house will generally have a basic understanding of what the different types of guns are. But there will be people working in the firearms inquiry offices who don't go out to see people. They're just, you know, receptionists or admin people who they have no requirement to know what these things are. They're just there to type things out or to make sure the numbers match up. And this is why we end up really with, with mix-ups on firearms certificates. <clears throat> so on, on the slot of a firearms certificate, it will have uh, the calibre um, and the type. Um, and somebody actually got issued a 308 handgun as a slot on their Section 1 firearms certificate. Wow, um, this sounds just like the CFR here. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, really does. Uh, you know, there was another, um, you know, when we talk about handguns, there's loads of different pockets of, of where you can actually legally own a handgun here. One of it, one of which being Section 7.3, which allows you to to own a handgun for the uh, for historical purposes. So if the gun is historically significant or it um, is of a technological advancement, um, that's a very... So 1911s are legal? Yes. Yes. So it's a technological advancement. Because that's the ultimate technology. 
Glock. You can argue that a Glock is a technological advancement. Like, yeah. well, Which it is. Still, yeah. yeah. Whilst it's still very, very difficult to get, uh, a pre-1910, 1911 mm-hmm. is one of the easiest handguns to obtain. It's licensed on 7.1. Is the one we saw it at? No, so, seven, so there's 7.1 and 7.3. 7.3 allows you to shoot the gun, but the gun has to be stored at one of 12 um, uh, dedicated sites in, in the UK. Section 7.1 allows you to keep the firearm at home, but you're not allowed ammunition for it. You're not allowed to shoot it. It is purely a, an antique or, or a paperweight. Um, but with 7.3, there have been people, or the process for us, is you find the exact gun you want to collect you then go to your uh, to the uh, firearm inquiry officer or firearms licensing department give them that serial number and tell them exactly what the gun is you go through the the approval um process of it you have to show the provenance of the gun yep um and you have to prove that it's historically significant and then they will issue a slot for that exact gun um there was a case uh, a number of years ago where somebody did all of this and they issued him an open slot for a 7.3 um, gun. So instead of going and buying the uh, 1911 he said he was, he went and bought uh, a Glock 19. Uh, and when he put in the paperwork to the firearms department to say, this is what I've bought, he got a very quick phone call saying, take that back and return it now and buy what you were you were applying for, or this isn't going to go I mean, any further. Strictly speaking, he had authority to go and buy that gun. <laughs> he didn't, but it was probably just an admin mistake rather than anything else. But, but this is where you know, people doing the admin on the certificates, not knowing the guns that they are, are putting on there, this is this leads to these mistakes. Um, and if guns are as dangerous as, as people like to make out, um, you know, it's only a matter of time before a certificate holder, you know, takes advantage and does something silly when a mistake like this happens. But, you know, serial numbers get lost, guns get mixed up. You, you've had, <laughs> more recently, the, the most... Uh, yeah, so I have a, a 9 millimeter long barrel revolver, and I did have a 2.2 uh, self-loading pistol on there as well. An, an LBP. An LBP. Um, yes, a long barrel. And uh, they got the they transposed the serial numbers incorrectly, and I had a very uh, worried firearms inquiry officer knocking at my door early hours of the morning, um, asking me why I had a nine millimeter self loading pistol. The the revolver was a nine mil, the pistol was in two two. They just mixed up the serial numbers. Um, that yeah. that sounds the same as here. It it really does. Um, there's mix up with calibers and firearms regularly um we've had guys have the incorrect id numbers so identification numbers for the person printed on their license cards incorrect particulars of the firearm printed on their license cards uh incorrect sections incorrect photos all sorts of interesting things um so the the interesting thing that you mentioned there with the uh the historic firearms where you're not allowed to discharge them um i am a registered firearms collector and a registered ammunition collector um, one of the provisions of being an ammunition collector is you may not discharge the ammunition that you collect. So if I declare ammo for this gun, because there might be ammo for this gun that I consider collectible because of my theme, um, I'm not allowed to discharge it because it's on a collector's certificate. Um, <laughs> so you can have all the ammo, but you can't discharge it. It's like Tarek, who is a firearms dealer and can have literally all the firearms. 
but sometimes can't license firearms because he's not allowed them. Yes. But he's allowed right. them. <laughs> you can transport this gun to the range on your dealer's license, but we won't give you a license to do it yourself. No. Um, yeah, there is also there's, there's a famous story here, and it, it is possibly apocryphal, but I have spoken to someone who claims to have seen the letter. So you, it, it must be true, obviously. Um, about a, a, a shotgun license being refused, a guy applied for a shotgun to shoot clay pigeons, and it was refused because clay pigeons are endangered. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I think I've heard uh, that story as well, although we definitely, a, a real one, had the animal rights group who thought clay pigeons were a species. Um, that, that is real. I've seen that thread myself. Um, probably still up there to go looking for it. That is fun. Um, so, Nick Caliber's being wrong on licenses and things. Um, <laughs> sorted out there. Daniel's like, <laughs> Lance is going like, we've broken Lance. We've broken Lance. So, is that a real story? Yeah, see, that, that, that is just utter disrespect for the, uh, you know, Mindless slaughter by the thousands oh, of the clay pigeons. Clay pigeons. Yeah. And, and the worst is they just leave their bodies no, on no, the ground. You can't discriminate between black and orange clay pigeons. That's not on. <laughs> what about the ones that explode? <laughs> and they leave the bodies on the ground. They don't yeah. even eat them. They just leave them where they lay. Some you, you, you joke. That is very much how the thread on this animal rights group went. <laughs> but some some uh, some rangers will actually make pathways out of the carcasses of these clay. It's sickening. You know, we, we you know, how do they get away with it? Yeah. Oh, Terrible lack of respect they, of they, life. They've got guns and get away with what they like. <laughs> <laughs> some of the some of the clay pigeons just die out of like sheer shock, and you'll find a whole carcass on the floor that that could technically be reused, but that would be sacrificial. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's like necrophilia or something. You need to leave it on the floor, play it as it lies, like uh, <laughs> like like golf. There used to be a necrophiliac, and then some rotten cunt split on me. Um, <laughs> That's going to be All four of our listeners unsubscribed after yeah, that line. Exactly. Even the one in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so famously over okay. here, it, it's, it's rather interesting, entertaining, and sort of worrisome. Calibers in South Africa are not calibers as you would think internationally they are. Um, like you'll have nine mil that is suffixed with pistol, that is suffixed with rifle, that is suffixed with revolver, and those things are not interchangeable. So when you submit your application for your 9mm revolver, you may be required to get a gunsmith's report stating that your firearm is actually in 9mm revolver, because that's not the same thing as the 9mm parabellum that the PCC is in, or that the pistol is in, despite the fact that the ammo is exactly the same. we have, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but we have like thousands of calibers over here. Thousands. Because some are stated as like 762 by 51. Some will be stated as 308. Some will be stated as 308 bolt gun. Like, I shit you not. Because <laughs> you can't shoot that in your, you know, semi-auto. Because well, It's, more, it's more dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. yes. That's it. Yeah. 
we have um we have that in the uk um as well because you have to have slots for your ammunition and you have to have the ammunition separately on your certificate there are some gun shops that won't sell you um three away under um you know uh, 762 um or, or vice versa yes that's not the same thing though because no. if we had let's say a nine millimeter revolver and a nine millimeter rifle we would it, it, it would be same, the same it, allowance there can be a, that um, sort of that technicality so when you apply for a 308 you apply for both 762 and um and 308 but um, the, the best thing about this is is okay so you apply for 600 rounds of 762 slash 308 they'll give you 600 rounds of 762 and 600 rounds of 308 magically doubled your quantities it's great and that's why you should buy 223 and five, 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 six. six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we've, we've had two, two, four Valkyrie. <laughs> we've had challenges with gun shops that won't sell. So under our law, you can only possess ammunition for for a firearm you have a license for, or that a firearm you have a license for is capable of discharging. And we've had gun shops refuse to sell you thirty eight special and a three five seven Magnum license. Um, but again, one of my favourite recent ones, and and this this one really um, confused me for a bit. Buddy of mine. They couldn't find his 375 H&H on the system. He was applying for a license. They couldn't find it on the system because it wasn't registered as a 375 H&H. It was registered on the system as a 9.5 by 72B. Now, as much as I like metric <laughs> calibers, <laughs> have you ever met anyone who's ever referred to 9.5 by 72 <laughs> But on, on, on the 38, that, that would happen here. If you have on your certificate, um, you know, just 38 special, you know, they won't sell you Magnum and, and vice versa. You have to have those because they are, you know, different. Um, you can get a gun. You could buy a gun that is, is chambered for both under a, a 357 or, or even technically a, a 38. Um, you would only need that slot for that gun. Well, the, but, gun, the gun can have written on it. Yeah, three fifty-seven slash three slash thirty-eight. Yeah. However, if you only have thirty-eight on your ticket, that is all you can buy. Yeah. Um, so, which it, actually makes more sense. It, I'll it's, say, it's sort of the, the, a better example is a five-five-six-two-two-three argument. Mm, you know, yeah. the gun's capable of shooting both, but if you only have one on your ticket, you can only buy that one. So it depends on what the retailer decides to put on their box. So over here, it's technically if you have a three-five-seven mag gun, you should be able to buy thirty-eight special. Yep. But if you have a 38 special gun, you should not be able to buy 357 mag. Yeah. Um, technically, now, yeah, just, depending just on which dealer you get, <laughs> depending on which dealer you get, um, you may be able to buy either or neither. <laughs> Again, the same here. Some some will stick to their guns and won't sell it, and some will just see, you know, 762 and go, yeah, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? So mm -hmm. I'll sign it over. You know, again, there's a, a disparity because it's everyone's interpretation of the law. Um, yep. And and this is where you can sort of use spirit of the law in in our favour because we can go, you know. The thing is, you as a defendant cannot argue spirit of the law. Oh, mm. only they can. Ah, only they can. Yeah, but you can. It, you then have: is it in the public interest? You know, yes. is it in the public interest to prosecute me for buying seven six two when I only had three away? No, it's not. It's it's a waste of police's time and mm. and, and taxpayers' money, and that will. To an extent, get you get you off because they can say it's it's nice. either a very minor violation um, or it's just down to sort of lack of interpretation. Depends how much they like you, and none of them seem to like him very no, much. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, like um, 
my recent experiences. So I moved here from another county. Um, that county, the firearms inquiry officers were great. They all knew their guns. They understood perfectly. My very first firearms license I had, I had 10,000 rounds of 2-2 on it. I was very, very happy. Um, <clears throat> once I moved to this county, I experienced the same sort of thing that he did. Um, lots of people who didn't know really what they were talking about or anything like that. Um, they have improved a lot over the last couple of years. Um, I've seen them getting a lot better. You know, I think there's improvements still to be made, but I think a lot of the improvement is down to education internally. They're actually learning more about what it is that they're trying to license. And I think the more they do that, the better they will get at it. Um, but I think the education doesn't stop at the firearms inquiry officers. You know, the firearms dealers themselves need to be educated in it. So a lot of them don't understand the law as well as they should. Um, and they will refuse to sell you your 556 despite you having 223 on a ticket because they don't understand that it's legal for them to do so. So how does it work there? If you move counties, what happens with your license? Do you have to... So you take it with you to a new county when you move in. And then once you get there and you've moved in, you send that off to your new county and they should reissue you the exact same certificate back with the new county's details on it. They're not supposed to disagree with any of the decisions that have previously been made and try and take stuff off of you. Um, and what you must, must absolutely do if you move house is notify your uh, firearms licensing department. You yes. can lose your certificate yes. and not notify them. If, yeah, or yeah, if you move house, uh, you can lose your certificate for that, which has happened to me. Um, my very oh. first firearms certificate, the one with 10,000 rounds of 2-2 on it, I moved house, uh, forgot to tell them. I had no no ammunition. I didn't have any firearms either. Uh, I didn't think I needed to tell them, which was ignorance on my part. Um, yeah, and I lost that first ticket. I got it back after I explained the situation. Apologised profusely. Um, yeah. We have the same thing. You have to notify them within 21 days of change of address. Days. 30 yeah, days. Yeah. I thought it was 21. Yeah. So within 30 days of, of change of address, you have to notify your uh, your designated firearms officer. Yeah. Um, I have a question that's slightly not not off the current track, but um, in a slightly different direction. How does involve hair product? It might. How does firearms <laughs> transport <laughs> and hair product work <laughs> over there? Um, how, how do you transport your firearms to the range? Are there specific laws sort of limiting the way? What you do is you, is you package the hair product in a gun oil <laughs> bottle and then you can take it with you to the range. Love it. <laughs> Bottle it. Sort it. <laughs> This is what Maglube's great for, just a little bit in your hand and... Oh. Uh, look at that. Keeps your gun running. Shine. <laughs> Keeps your beard shining. You can make <laughs> chips in it. Because <laughs> you're worth... And the stinging sensation is how you know it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What you don't want to know is how we get Maglube out of court. <laughs> um, I suspect it's the same way that we get... Gas lube out of gas. Gas lube out of gas. Yeah. Well, normally, normally gas gets it out of himself unless he gets really tired, and then Kuna has to help him. Yeah. Over uh, here, it's known as gas jizz, and we all keep gas jizz on our guns because <laughs> they run better. In, in terms of uh, in terms of transportation. Um, it, oh yeah, I forgot what they were doing. Someone's someone's trying to take it. That's why we have Callum on here because. <laughs> Is the responsible adult, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, we uh, It's basically down to good reason. Um, so if you are stopped um, transporting your gun, can you explain to a police officer or could you justify to a court why you were moving? So I, I had this 
um, actually quite significant concern when I was shooting in London. So my, my university was in London. I, I lived there. Um, although my home address uh, down near on the south coast near Portsmouth is is where the the technical home of my firearms were. But I was also storing them at the range in London. But there were weekends um, or days where I would have to transport the guns up from home, go home, and then get the tube with a rifle um, to uh, the range was at London Bridge. And it and it was always one of my concerns. And bearing, this was before London Bridge became a little bit more famous than it than it is today. Um, mm, it's pretty famous. It's well, the bridge in London, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a nursery rhyme I was trying not to reference. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, okay. it's, it's kind of famous already, buddy. I mean, famous for other reasons for being, than, than being a bridge. He's talking um, about narwhal tusks. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, so there, was, there was an attack um, oh, of a, a, few, a few years ago, which actually happened outside of the range, where they crashed the car initially. Um, was outside of the range. Um, but this this was many years prior, prior to that. But it was a fear that one day I would be travelling through the tube with a rifle and I would get stopped. And, I mean, what are you meant to do? The police go, what's in the bag? <laughs> well, it's a gun. And it's like, what do you do? Do you then get it out and show them? You know, and, and it, it was a real fear. And, and I did actually, uh, I made a video on it because, you know, I'd asked a couple of police officers. I'd also asked a, a, a few more experienced members of the club um, you know what what you know what they had been through in, in similar scenarios um and it's just remain calm you know just don't run don't you know don't make any sudden movements just you know don't tell whistle them, like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and don't and don't tip oh yeah don't 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 get your phone out <laughs> <laughs> don't beep like in a monotonous tone, like beep. <laughs> oh, um, not not long after we had the terrorist attacks over here, I was in a very crowded train station with the backpack on. I was late for my train and I was running for it, and the armed police all simultaneously raised their guns and watched me run across this platform. Um, Although he, you've got a bit more in, in, in recent years because when we went to Nizza last time, he was slide, he kept sliding his backpack. Underneath the chairs in the air- airport, and and walking, walking away, away. <laughs> it, 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 it drop it, put it in, and, and I said, like seriously, Connors, you do not have the beard to get away with that. <laughs> um, so so the reason I, the reason I asked about the transportation thing is sort of similar with the backpack thing. Um, just what before you slide, slide to go under a chair and walk away, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, Sometime last year during this whole lockdown, I think just before lockdown sort of took effect, um, I got a license for a gun that I'd been waiting for for a while, picked up the gun. I was on my way to the range, um, got pulled over in a major roadblock because now it's lockdown. You have to have reason to be out, all sorts of shit. And like the entire police force was there. They were on top of their Caspers, which are these really big fucking vehicles that they use for uh sort of riot control and things and they're sitting on the top with his fucking machine gun and they're all there and uh i get pulled over no worries um they go okay can we search the vehicle i'm like yeah sure no problem search the vehicle they go through the vehicle and the dude who pulled me over is like this bag is calling to me what's in the bag (laughs) five five eleven rucksack he's like what's in the bag i'm like so funny story (laughs) 
<laughs> there's there's several guns in the bag and a fuckload of ammo. <laughs> and he's like, what's a several? I go, several. He goes, I go, also, I have a gun down my pants. Um, would you like to see it? <laughs> they go, no, no, no. We just need to see the license. So I whip out my, I have a license wallet. So I have a wallet that's specifically for firearms. So I whip out my license wallet and I start going through my cards because there's a lot of them. And the more I go through cards trying to find the ones for the guns that I actually have on me, the more this police officer's eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. By the time I find the cards for the actual guns I have on me, he was no longer interested in the guns. He was, how do I license that many guns? Where do you buy guns from? And when are we going to go shooting? <laughs> it's like, cool story. That's <laughs> nice. I, I are you guys? Um, we got pulled over a number of years ago. Um, oh, no, I, not I, this story. I was, I was driving along. Um, <laughs> I, I, I may or may not have been um, driving... Very safely. Very safely. Um, and, and I got Possibly five kilometers an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> Uh, very safely. <laughs> no, very safely. So I, got, I, I got pulled over, um, and the guy, the guy just started giving me uh, a lecture about you know road safety and, and all this, um, and you know it was very typical. And, and until the fact that he, when he started trying to run me through the system, he said, um, you know, before we get your details, are you known to the police? <laughs> yes. Okay. What for? I said, oh, firearms. And at this point, <laughs> he's back me. His partner, the other side of the car, is sort of backing away, like ready to get to the fucking radio. Um, and he goes, well, what, "What do you mean firearms?" He goes, "Well, I'm a, I'm a firearms certificate holder." He said, "Well, that's not what we meant." I say, "But that's not what you asked." <laughs> I, I answered the question truthfully, you know. But, but it, I, I guess that sort of really shows. Yeah, the, you didn't answer the question truthfully. You answered the question like a cheeky little chip. <laughs> Stop moving, or I'll blow my whistle and give you a darn good rodering. On that note, there was this incident um, up, up north with a crossbow. I don't know if, you've, if the video has made it over to you guys, mm. um, but it, it's it's sort of both tragic and and hilarious at the same time. There's there's this guy walking around this um this town centre with this crossbow and and he's off his face on something, and the police turn up and of course they bundle out of the car and start running towards him and then they realise he's got a crossbow so they run back to the car. Right? <laughs> the guy drops the crossbow and starts making off. So the police are like, oh, he hasn't got the crossbow anymore. Start running towards him again. He goes back and picks up the crossbow and they run away. And he, they're just, he's playing this game with them. And they, they ended up having to call um, armed response out for that. But he, he ended up dropping the crossbow and, and basically allowed the officers to arrest him. Um, but it, it's, it's yeah, again, tragic and, um, uh, and hilarious at the same time. Tr- tragic because it's, it shows there are a number of um, situations in the UK that our police are not equipped for. They wouldn't, you know, they are going into a situation as, uh, as much of a victim as any member of the public. You know, and I, I think that in itself asks uh, like questions. Them. Well, they've got tasers. They tasers. And, and yeah. tasers, as we all know, work perfectly every single time 100% effective and they're especially effective through car windshields so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 
Um, I remember a video of the in the UK or, or that came from the UK of a bunch of officers getting chased around like a tree or something yep. with a knife. Yeah. And everyone in the comments was like, aha, look how scared they are. What's wrong with them? It's like, well, knives are deadly weapons and they have zero standoff. Mm-hmm. They have they have to go hands on because they've got nothing else. And I don't want to go hands on with a dude wielding a knife. Yeah. Um, like, I really don't. I, I'd shoot him over here if he was chasing with a knife. I'd just shoot him. Um, over there, the the whole, you, you have no standoff weapons. And if he gets within sort of seven or 10 meters from you, you're getting sliced. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, that story of the crossbow, I, you know, I don't, the officers did nothing wrong in, in my mind hmm. because would you run towards somebody you know, unarmed? No. Would you run towards somebody with a crossbow? No, you would, no. you'd be seeking, seeking for cover. I wouldn't but even it want is to. Still hilarious. That can still be funny while being tragic. I, mean, <laughs> I, I do think with the sort of increased prevalence of, of crossbows in the country, our police should go back to the old days of full plate armor. That way, they're better <laughs> equipped to deal with the menace at hand. Officer number two, would you mind terribly holding my full armor-plated helmet while I write this parking ticket? This is the picture of the beginning of the movie Excalibur, um, but with bobby hats. (laughs) (laughs) Completely stupid question that's occurred to me while we're chatting, but it's it's like one of those weird cultural things. It's like my my fetish for visiting supermarkets when I travel the world. Um, If you if you're on your way home from a match or or a shoot, can you stop somewhere and get lunch? Yeah. So the, the, there are again no laws for it, but there are guidelines saying that the guns must be secured and covered. You must, so you must take all reasonable, reasonable precautions. precautions. Yeah. So generally, you lock it in your car boot where no one can see it as they walk past. That's a reasonable thing to do. Um, go and have lunch. Um, Generally, a lot of us will take extra precautions, like we'll park it on the far side of the car park where there's less foot traffic, might leave someone with the car or something like that. There's no requirement to do so, but it's what you'd feel like comfortable justifying if your guns did get stolen, really. We always try to park it by the window. So if we're going to go in for some dinner, we'll make sure that we sit somewhere where we have a line of sight with with the car. doesn't matter that it take you 10 minutes to run around through the car. No, as long as you can um, see it getting broken into, it's fine. About what you can justify to a judge. Can you justify to a judge that you took all reasonable precautions? And and also, it it is reasonable that if you're making a long journey, you need to stop for a piss at least. Hmm. So and KFC and KFC (laughs) and KFC. (laughs) So so again, it it is reasonable that you'd have to do that. But if you leave a gun unslipped on the back seat and you've got you know completely clear windows, that that's probably taking the piss a little bit too much. So over it. here it's over yeah, that, here it's that's... slightly different. Um, we have to have our firearms either under our direct control or locked up under in the prescribed fashion, which which is firearm safes. Um, vehicle safes are legal under sort of specific conditions. They need to be installed by um, certified installers, and they have to issue a certificate of compliance and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, but we can't leave firearms in a vehicle, even if they are covered or, or unseen. Um, Unless they're, it's within sort of your view. Mm. Yeah, if, if you can affect control over the firearm from where you are, it, it's probably okay. Yeah. But what happens over here is we just like enter sort of, 
we can't display firearms. You can't brandish firearms. So they have to be yeah. covered at all times. They don't have to be concealed, but they have to be covered. I have never been to a restaurant with a shotgun in a slip. Okay, I have <laughs> been to a restaurant. More than uh, I, I've, we've, I've been to, I've been to um, service station before where we all decided, because we were traveling in a, in a minibus at the time, uh, we all took our guns into the service station with us in the slips and we just kept them next to us the whole time. Tell them about how you used to get to the range. Uh, I used to try, so I, I've only actually owned a car for the last couple of years or so. I've spent my the rest of my life traveling on a motorbike. So when I started shooting, uh, I was on a motorbike. So <laughs> my my gun would be uh, broken down in a guitar case, strapped to my back, <laughs> rain or shine. Uh, <laughs> and when you have the you're doing wheelies at every set of tracks. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'd i often carry two or three slabs of ammo with me to a match, along with my overnight kit and my gun on my back. Um, with a reasonably talky bike, it's very hard to keep the front wheel on the ground, I have to say. Yeah, because all that weight's obviously sort of on the rear wheel. The front wheel has no weight on it. <laughs> yeah. Legitimate yeah. concern. And um, and, and you, ha- you have to think about the, um, the drag on the motorway when you're going precisely 70 miles an hour. Um, that can lift the front wheel of the bike up as well. So I had to take that into consideration. It is a well-known fact that the aerodynamics of motorcycles, especially when they're heavily loaded up with gun and several slabs of ammo, um, <laughs> that the front wheel likes to stay up. Um, yes. it, well-known fact. I, I, But quite honestly, I have never in my life done a wheelie intentionally. <laughs> it's all the talk of the bike. No, genuinely. Combined with slabs of ammo. Genuinely, I've never done it intentionally. It's always been because I got too much ammo on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good problem to have. So, so a, a sort of side story. We've got a, a friend that um, was actually involved in, in quite a horrific accident. Walked away completely fine, uh, but flipped their car on a motorway. Um, unfortunately, with a few slabs of shotgun cartridges and his and his shotguns in the back, which got dispersed across the motorway. Um, wow. Needless to say, they shut down the motorway to recover uh, pretty much every single round um, that that he because you how many slabs do you have in the back? Uh, three. Okay, so that's about seven hundred and fifty rounds. So they wouldn't open up the motorway until they had accounted seven hundred and fifty rounds. Uh, and actually, um, they so we have this weird quirk in the UK: shotgun ammunition. You don't actually need a license to uh, possess it; you just need a license to buy it. Um, so he's trying to explain to them, look, if you miss one or two rounds, it's not the end of the world. However, they they were adamant that they were going to find every single every single yeah. cartridge. And, and, and obviously, what he did on his before he left for his trip, he made sure that his firearm worked and fired five rounds from this. <laughs> 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 so the motorway is in fact still closed. Is what you guys are trying to tell us? <laughs> I don't know. You'd think so. The amount of fucking roadworks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They're not building no smart way. They're looking for Bill's last two rounds of fucking ammo. I'm telling you, that's exactly what it is. It happened recently as well with, um, I think it was police or MOD. It was an armed unit. um, Oh, yeah. They left the 9mm on the roof of the car. Yeah, they they left a box of 9mm on the roof of the car. They ended up shutting down a motorway to account for every single round. That's oh, that's that's more understandable because you do have to have a license for possession. Yeah. So, mm. but <laughs> they, they, they take it seriously. I mean, I've I've left a drink on top of my car, but I can't say I've ever left, left a box of ammo. 
your YouTube channels. I, I, there's English Shooting and Gunroom TV. Are those the two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, uh, it, they're not strictly speaking. So, English Shooting is Callum's YouTube channel. Gunroom TV is not my YouTube channel. It's someone else's. I just oh. appear on it so more I, frequently I, than others. I, I co-founded um, Gunroom TV, um, and and that's being run and continued by by somebody separately. And Connor's pre- presents on that. Um, whereas English Shooting was sort of created and is is pretty much completely run by myself. Connors does help with the camera and will appear um, at, at points in it. Um, but they are, for all intents and purposes, two separate channels now. So which ones should our listeners subscribe to? English Shooting, 100%. <laughs> you heard it here first, English Shooting. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Second, you TV. heard Gunroom TV. If you, if, you, if you like vids... If you, TV. if you don't, if, if you don't like opinions, Gunroom TV definitely. At the end of the day, it's someone else's. It's someone else's channel that I'm just presenting for them, so I have to present it their way. And normally, that is either give a nice opinion or no opinion at all. So none of them have any opinion in them. Uh, yeah, that's that's not the way this show works. So uh, opinion away. This product is not total shit. <laughs> However, this product is. Uh, English shooting was was created more as a um, for, as a guide, you know. Yeah. So I, I was I was going through the struggles of getting my own certificates and sort of finding my way within the the firearms community, and there was just very little resource explaining what to do. So I thought, you know, there's a million videos of people telling you to, how to put on lipstick, and and why is no one talking you through the processes of getting a firearm certificate or putting on lipstick whilst filling out your firearms. <laughs> That's my next video. Um, yeah. so, so I just thought, you know, I, I just started with my with my iPhone, you know, making. Uh, it, I think my like first proper video was actually a, a review. But then and I, how long ago was that? You filming on your iPhone? Um, last week. Um, I was going to say it's not improved much. Like <laughs> about, I, I think it's about six, seven years um, that it that it's been going. Maybe even I don't know. I've lost count. It's been far too long. Um, but it, it sort of it sort of grew. I got a little bit more political, so I'd, I'd do gum, gum reviews. I would do sort of law explanation and guides, um, and and also politics and sort of, uh, of current affairs. And and that mix is still sort of uh, prevalent today. And and it's it's English shooting, I guess, in a way, has become more commercial because obviously I have quite close ties with with Magload, and Magload is heavily promoted on on English shooting. Too fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. Yeah, and you know there's there's Nine ad- one more times. <laughs> At least. <laughs> there's uh you know there's uh, adverts on on the videos and you know I sell merch and stuff like that. Um but it, it's it, at its core it, it's very much a hobby. It's either what it's I very much an angry boy in his bedroom. Yeah, it's whatever <laughs> I feel like ranting about um, whatever lore I feel like sort of explaining or whatever gun I, I end up shooting or, or more recently the most recent video on there is um, the match that um, Connors and I most recently went to I which I think is your worst performing worst performing video in the last 10 videos because they much prefer to watch him rant about yeah, things and, and it mystifies me I, I put a lot of time and effort making really nice sort of Gucci review videos and range visit videos and match videos and they, in terms of analytics, do shit. If I just stare in front of a camera and rant for five minutes, I'll get 50,000 views. And I, I still don't get it. You know, it's more uh, almost it's, like the little effort I put in, the better they do. It's because we get lost in your eyes, Kellen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks. Okay, so I so I just subscribed. I literally just subscribed to English Shooting. Um, oh, uh, Gary's gonna unsubscribe live. live <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, which one is the non-ranty video? Well, it's the, it's, it's the only one that's not got his face on it. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out which one to downvote. <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, keep, keep scrolling. They've been pretty empty recently. If, if you're John Thorne, you go through and downvote them all, won't you? <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, it, it appears Maglode oh, has a channel as well. I mean, I, yeah, I, I hate know, to. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, I, I speed steal at Yeevely. Go downvote that one. They haven't got enough likes to be down likes. Let's have a look. I mean, the. What's become a, a, a bigger aspect of the channel, um, you know, in recent months is the live streams. Um, I, I've sort of done them on and off, but for the last sort of year or so, we've been pretty, well, I've been like over lockdown, basically. It's been a lot easier to do the live stream. So, you know, I've, I've done them. That's just lazy. I, You've I, used I, the I, same I, thumbnail twice. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to point out at this point, it has 77 upvotes and two downvotes and neither of those two is me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If it no, it has three, three I know who to call. Uh, the, the thing is, you probably know exactly who those downvotes are anyway. Is it you? videos. <laughs> 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 More ranty videos, less of this like, less of this good shit. There is also a Maglode YouTube channel that does has had one video in the last year. Yeah, I know. He keeps promising me he's going to help me make videos on that channel, but you know, he he said to me, "Look, buy me all this camera equipment, and I'll make you some really nice oh, videos." Fuck all. I bought it myself. <laughs> yeah, because I knew what, I knew it was fucking coming. <laughs> <laughs> It has 426 subscribers. Yeah, we, we, we actually pulled a lot of videos off of that channel because there are a lot of them were me trying to do vlog-style stuff and I couldn't be asked to carry it on, so we just got rid of it all. It's, it's, there, will, there will be more videos put out there. It's more um, for like product descriptions and installation guides. Um, so a video that I think we have been asked to do since it was released, um, the short action bars. Um, but I don't want to show them my milk because it's dirty as and you don't want to show them your bolt because it's more weld than bolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to weld it again. It's a minute again. <laughs> yeah, we, that's, that, that's, that is not hyperbole, by the way. Most of the underside of my bolt is no longer original metal. It's all just filled up with weld. I mean, it's a pump gun, so it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they don't work to start. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> No comment. No that's comment. Really, that's the first time everyone's been quiet. Thank you. But I do own a Nova. I do own a Nova for the record. Yeah, but it's not supernova. It's also got a 14-inch barrel. Because it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't get as good a don't get as good a pattern with it, I do you? I don't think it's no, it's fucking It is practically a pistol. Yeah. <laughs> but not, not a long barrel pistol because then it'd be longer than 14 inches, right? <laughs> <laughs> it does and it doesn't have a coat hanger, but I can fix oh. that. <laughs> Fuck. Um guys, I, I also I don't want to steal too much of your time because we have stolen 
a fuck ton of it. So I really yeah, you have. appreciate it. So <laughs> you, you can send the invoice to um, Lance and Daniel. Uh, we'll just apportion it to your rate. <laughs> I like that. Do that. Do that. So for, for Magload gear in South Africa, you need to chat to Lance and Daniel at uh, Rocksteady Gear. If you're anywhere else in the world, uh, maglo.co.uk. Um, if you want to see Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro uh, at the range. 87 um, more times. Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. <laughs> Fuck, it's going to get tiring. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, if, if I'm at a shocker match, I'll have mine with him, with, with me. Let's try that in English. With him. And, and Lance will have theirs with them. Corneille's got the, the, the old Poor's model, but he'll happily show it to you. Um, until he gets a, a, a Nexus Pro, um, so eighty. <laughs> <laughs> so please, guys, uh, you know if if there are if there are products, go look at the website. Don't order from the website um, if you're in South Africa. Uh, if you are anywhere else, order from the fucking website. Um, I, I, we, we, I just want to say one of the reasons we're we're so keen on having South African. Uh, distributor is actually there's a lot of issues sending it directly so do go and buy it directly from them it'll be much much better experience for you so no jokes Let me tell i had you to stories. ask you guys like three times for commercial invoices when mine came in not because you didn't when, provide when, them when, when you bought yours it was just me working this shit out of my back room <laughs> it's, it's not because you didn't provide it it's because they weren't happy with any of the ones you provided i'm like <laughs> But it's exactly what I fucking got. What do you mean you're not happy with it? And you guys came through every time. So I remember that because the issue was the name of the product was Nexus. And at the time, you had the Google Nexus, which was a uh, a tablet. And they they were not convinced uh, that he wasn't importing electronic goods and trying to get away with paying the wrong tariff. Yep, uh, I, rem- I remember it very, very well. <laughs> not, not that the tariff was any fucking cheaper. It was just a different code. It's just I who have, was I, getting it. <laughs> I, I have a part I ordered in January that um, left the UK and, and is somewhere in our post office as we record this at the end of May. A very expensive part as well. Is it from um, us? I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> not your fault. You the slightest. Um, it was our post office who lost it. So yeah. rather uh, order from Lance and Daniel, go to the website, check. I know the guys don't have everything on hand, but pretty much anything you guys do, they can get. Um, so I want to get some of those PMAG extensions just because they look fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's all sorts of cool guy shit. There's mini rifle comps. There's P mag extensions. There's mag wells and there's 45 degree safeties, which I want to put in my 30. Sorry, 30, 30, Sorry. Yeah, 30, 30. yeah. No, 45 degree is for people who don't know what they're doing. We we make so, 30 degree safeties here. Sorry, I, I I will say 10 Nexus Pros is uh, penance. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro, Nexus Pro. Nexus Pro. Oh, Times two. That's too little. <laughs> 74. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. It's, it's actually, it's been a really good chat about other stuff. Um, I'm sorry we didn't chat quite as much about Magload, but it's been very it's educational. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you're welcome back anytime if you want to talk shit and drink Pepsi. Um, yep. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you on the range soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Cheers, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time, guys.
Thank you. Appreciate everybody. having you guys on the show. Cheers. <laughs> Good being here. I loved it. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a nice evening off instead of instead of abusing him I get to abuse you lot <laughs> perfect we love it <laughs> welcome anytime uh, yes you want to just say your yeah okay guys so thanks to everyone who's been supporting us and, and keeping involved and for all the guys who've put in some submissions for Drill of the Month thank you very much keep those rolling over uh, time's coming for us to get in the next Drill of the Month and for now, the club rules have changed. What you have to do is you have to send a letter or an email through about the new amend or potential amendments. Once you've done that, you can be part of the club. There and five go. stars. And you have to downvote Speed Steel Match Report on English. <laughs> <laughs> And on that bombshell, later losers. Uh, <laughs> cheers.